Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. Stars and stripes of the class. Let's go, bud. Spine sense is tingling. Welcome to Comic Box Rumble, uh, which is a comic and pop culture-based podcast where my co-host and I talk shop about our favourite characters, books, franchises, and which gives you, the listeners, opportunities to win stuff. Now, I know that's a real, real loose introduction, but I don't want to give it all away at the start. I want you guys to kind of sit down and listen because alls and more will be revealed later on. Joining me today is Jack and Tom. Guys, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. I'm all right. It's... uh. It's interesting. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety about this because I really want it to work. And I think the concept of it is really, really good because we're giving a lot of people kind of free information, free insights to the stuff that we're reading, stuff that we've read in the past, stuff that we've watched, and also giving uh, listeners opportunities to to vote and win. Get involved. And get yeah. involved and win stuff. It's just free stuff for everybody. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, it's different. It's something I've not done before. And trying to explain my love for certain aspects in the comic book slash movie slash pop culture world mm. so you suppose you can just say what your likes and dislikes are and how you change things like anyone does sort of mm. thing when you just sat around talking with a group of friends and you've seen the latest whatever movie or read the latest thing so you always say what you can do or how you do it differently really because uh, the audience always knows better of course well, my taste is better and we'll see as we go on i'm hoping we get to a point where we are gonna be doing our reports and we're just going to get bombarded on Twitter. No, you're wrong. This is the most definitive story about The Walking Dead or Why the Last Man and just going back and forth with, you know, super fans. Because I think that's right. We want to we want to start fire. We want discourse, don't want yeah. discussion. Yeah. We want to cause a reaction. And I suppose, like, that boring. is... Boring if everyone agreed on the whole same thing. That is it. And that's, that, that's one thing I love about this medium because you've got so many people that are kind of, like, so into this type of stuff. They're, like, super fans that someone can do, make a slight alteration in someone's kind of backstory, canon or history, and it just sparks a flame war, which I think is beautiful. I am a little bit nervous about being wrong at some point. Well, I think. You think it's this, all these reports are going to be opinion-based though, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, why we've enjoyed this character, why we enjoyed the story of this book, why we think this might be the definitive version of this character. It's all opinion-based, there's no right or wrong, but it's just, I think it's, it's, it's a way that we can kind of learn and educate each other and our listeners, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can always look by as well for certain characters. There's that many, especially in this day and age, there's that many different variations of characters. Look at Iron Man, for argument's sake. You've mm. now got three different Iron Men about the play sort of thing, so everyone will have their own favourites or disfavourites and things like that. Obviously, Lionheart's like one of, one of the newest, biggest, most popular characters, mm. so it's something for people to build up on there. And they missed out calling it Iron Maiden, <laughs> which I was like, oh my God, why, why haven't they done that? I, know, I remember seeing the press release and they were like, oh, because... It didn't want to conflict with the the actual band itself, and they had rights to what you can and can't use Iron Maiden as a title for. And I was like, Marvel, you're owned by Disney. You know what I mean? That's that's chump change. Do you know what I mean? It's like you could own that. That would have been. I think that would have been fantastic. But I don't know. That's just my opinion. That could be the thing. I don't know. Like I'm not saying I'm right. It's just my opinion. That, no, no, I get, I get what you mean. But people always copy things off people. I mean, you could say Iron Man has been another good example because you had the Rizzo who used Iron Man as his. This is Kurd. Was it? No, not Rizzo. It was it. I can't remember now. From what? From Wu Tang. Wu Tang, yeah. He had a cameo role in the first film. Well, he was supposed to have a cameo role in the first film. I cannot remember. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Rizzo because he's really into his pop culture and Rizzo. all his um, anime and manga and stuff. But yeah. um, right, I want to go back. Right, I say I want to go back. I want to go back and jump through your your timelines, your histories. Right, your origin stories. 
Tom, take us through what got you into comic books. What kind of allowed you to be feel comfortable and wrapped up in all this kind of pop cultural glory? It kind of comes down to my dad in a way. My dad, as a kid, in his infinite wisdom, decided to show me Empire first before Star Wars. So okay. that kind of threw things off a little bit. <laughs> but then that was like one of the first films I saw what then really engrossed me in a kind of this whole universe, really. And it kind of just kind of goes from that. Um, so obviously you watch more and more movies and then you start hearing about comics and things like that. And I suppose at my age, the TV series was more the bigger part sort of thing. So I saw the TV series and started reading the comics. So Spider-Man being a key thing and also the X-Men animated series as well. Oh my God, that era of Marvel animation was incredible. Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, everyone who knows the X-Men theme tune. Yeah, I was going to say the soundtracks era. and then... Yeah. I might, I'll edit that out and I'll put in the real one. Only enough so we don't get sued. You've no. got that show and you've got the animated Spider-Man from the 90s. Them mm-hmm. two shows were just yeah. like defined what I thought comic books were. For yeah, quite yeah. And they were like a comic book in a TV series because you had, used to have big like story acts for an animated show, which at kind of that point you didn't really have much other things because it always be like a single episode of this or mm. that. But here, like especially for the Spider-Man sort of thing, you used to like build upon and then you had the whole like vent. They did the, their own version of the Venom Mate, saga. And that was like incredible, that. and that was like g- genuinely heartbreaking as well. All the stuff that happened with Gwen Stacy and stuff at the end of that, it was like yeah. usually all these superhero stuff was kind of really kind of polished off, nicely wrapped up at the end of each episode. But the Spider-Man, the X-Men stuff was like. I'm like nine years old and I've just watched this cartoon that's meant to really inspire me and get me all jazzed. But I'm totally bummed out now because the heroes kind of, they've kind of, they always have some sort of loss in some ways yeah. in it and I moving think, on from that. I think in the Spider-Man show, I think like the Clone Wars rolled into Secret Wars and it went one after another and yeah. it's like, yeah. it didn't catch a breath and that's comic books. You get like, the next story is already happening. And it's just like, it's, and they were more true to the characters out there in the plot lines and than you'd expect a like yeah. Saturday morning nineties kids cartoon to be. It was, it, they got quite meta, quite deep, didn't they? They also made Hydra Man really scary. Was he the one that? Yeah, uh, oh, I can't remember because he made a clone, didn't he, of someone? Yeah. Of was that that was a mate, that was a Gwen Stacy clone, wasn't Gwen it? Yeah, clone, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had um, they make Flash a clone as well or something like that. Oh, he became, oh, did he get some kind of powers? I can't remember. It's been that long ago since I've seen it. Flash Thompson. Yeah, no, I, I think maybe we should. We'll have to make that to rewatch some. Yeah, of these, yeah. Like I'm sure so, Netflix have got them or something like that. I think I know the X Men. X Men's on Netflix. Yeah. We'll, do X-Men. Animated, we'll do an animated. We'll do an animated yeah. animated one. Now. We'll definitely come back to that. Uh, so Jack, what was your gateway? My gateway to pop culture was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I should have known this. Or any show on BBC Two at twenty past six. <laughs> that was classic. <laughs> like apart from Babylon Five, I could never get into that. But yeah, I'm Buffy fan, Joss Whedon fan, and then. I mean, I watched the animated X-Men show when I was a kid and mm. then I got back into comics in college when uh, Kofi introduced me to Ultimate X-Men and that yeah. brought me back in and then I was neck deep in Marvel comics yeah, for the next yeah. 15 years of my life. Man, uh, that Ultimate X-Men run was phenomenal. It was something that, special. Yeah. Again, Matt Miller again, wasn't it? Yeah, he, uh, sat, he kicked off uh, the X-Men one. I know it was Bendis who started off Spider-Man. Spider-Man was the first, wasn't it? That was in yeah, 2000. Yeah, Spider-Man was the first was it one, yeah. Um, but Mark Miller's X Men, Ultimate X Men, was was phenomenal. I think and for me, for me, the I think my way in was I think it started with the animated series, um, Spider Man and the X Men one, and then I was really into manga and anime, but still was into my comic books. And obviously, with the X Men movies coming out, they released loads of individual special comics for the first X Men film, and I got them, and it kind of I started getting all the essential X Men comic books because there was nowhere else in. 
round here, round here in Hall of Wincy to get comic books from. They, they, you could only get these kind of British imprint collection of these Marvel news stories. Agent news collection. agent collection. It's all the Panini ones once itself. Yeah. It just doesn't quite feel the same way as like a... Yeah, because uh, it had that glossy yeah. front and back. You get and three it, issues and you can't guarantee you're going to get the next issue yeah. in the next collection. It could be anything. And like sometimes between those three issues, you'd have like the issue of a certain story, let's say it's God Loves Man Kills, then you might get some random X-Men issue, and then you'll have another God Loves Man Kills. So you might go, God Loves Man Kills Part 1, random X-Men issue, God Loves Man Kills Part 4, and you think, what's happened? <laughs> you just missed all these bits of the story. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting and rocky road, but I, I would never, I could never look back. It's, it's so ingrained into you, this type of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. One thing yeah. I did forget, though, the first thing, my actual very first introduction to comic books was Batman 66, though. Watching was the, it? Watching the Batman film as a kid when that was... Channel 4 used to show it, like, again, every weekend. Yeah, morning. yeah, yeah. And so I just remember... The scene that always stands out for me is a submarine, which you've got the Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, and Jerker around this, like, big periscope sort of thing, all got a viewpoint each. And I just thought it just looked... I mean, it just looked cartoony, awful. But obviously, as a kid sort of thing, you just mesmerised by bright mm. colours and things like that and colourful characters. That probably makes sense because I was really, really into it. And I had posters, I had... Like loads of memorabilia from the cinemas, you know. Was it, was it the? Is it Joel Schumacher? Schumacher did this. Joel Schumacher did the last two with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. I love them. Like I was obsessed with them when I was younger. And Mister Freeze, just there's a really there's an amazing supercut on YouTube of all the uh, ice puns that Arnie does in that film. <laughs> and to be fair, it goes on for about two three minutes. That's not enough. <laughs> there should have been more. There absolutely should have been. What's your favourite Mister Freeze? Part? Oh man. Um, Oh God! What was it? What is it? Is something to know that what killed off? Oh, what killed off the dinosaur? The ice the age. Ice age. <laughs> and then it it hold, the, the camera holds a shot on Arnie before he before he presses like the pulls the trigger and he just looks insane. So you can tell that he must have just been having the time of his life filming that film. But yeah, I might actually, we might actually do that. Might be a Batman thing that comes up later on. But, right? Okay. So we're gonna have a look at news. Uh, what news do we want to have a quick discussion about before we move on to? I think we can't not talk about Disney buying Fox. Oh, that little thing. Yeah. How much has it gone for? Is it 16 billion or it's something? It's going to be something like 66 so billion dollars after it's gone through. But then the Murdoch's going to have a controlling share of Disney as part of it. Like 25% of shares, I think, they're going to have in Disney. I had no idea that was on I the didn't table. Know about yeah. That. Because one of the big things is that obviously Fox have been trying to buy all of Sky, haven't they? Right. So now Disney's going to earn Sky, in a way. If the deal goes through. So they'll get, oh, so they're going to get Sky as well? Well, that's if the deal goes through. That If Fox if Fox will buy Sky, hmm. and then, that's if that goes through, and then Disney will buy Fox. So, the, so therefore, Disney will earn Sky. It's worrying that um, Murdoch's going to have 25% of Disney. I'm sure, don't harm me that, I'm sure, like I'm sure that. I read that somewhere, that they're going to have a large stake in in Disney. But then, is that worth the sacrifice of Disney getting back, Disney getting these properties back? Would you want Murdoch to have control over 25, what, let's say it is 25% of Disney? Well, you could always say that someone else has got 75%, or other people have got 75% of combined shares, so they won't mm -hmm. have the full the full thing. Like even their influence in, in something like Disney is a bit worrying. I don't know, if maybe I'm blowing out of proportion, it's my like general prejudice against the Murdoch company. I know such. what you mean. Do you know what I mean? I think it's more for Disney are doing it because they just want to buy property because mm. they're launching their own streaming service. Yeah. And they want to have as much as they can do to compete with Netflix. Otherwise, they'll just be no one's going to pay ten quid a month just to watch nothing but Disney films and yeah. the few 
Marvel's one sort of things which you can get on Blu-ray. Do you guys think this is a good thing at all? Because if you think of all the properties they're going to be owning, like there's a lot, isn't there? I'm going to find some more. I mean, when the the bought Lucasfilm, the bought Marvel, the rebought Pixar, and I don't know that they're, they're still sort of act with a bit of autonomy. Obviously, there is some Disney control, but they still act as their own studios, and I believe Fox will act as its own studio within Disney. So they will continue putting out films, but whether you're going to get R-rated films, I don't know. Well, I know I did see something this week where they said they are going to keep um, Deadpool R-rated, and they are open to an R-rated franchise, which I think is quite that's important. They always said it was, it was um, what I read, what someone said, which is quite a good quote was. Would Disney have made Deadpool or Logan? Yeah. Which they probably wouldn't have done. But then my counter argument was is would Disney have made Wolverine Origins and the Fantastic Four movies? Mm. And so. and now the problem is that Disney uh, Disney uh, Marvel can only make what three, four films a year. Where would X Men for where would X Men Fantastic Four Deadpool films fit into that slate? How they can only concentrate on so many yeah. so many more. If so many movies that they can fit into this whole kind of wider MCU. Which is the bigger problem? Because I, I remember being like, "Yeah, finally, I'd love to see uh, Marvel's Marvel take on the X Men," you know. But then now it's like, actually, will they have the time? Will they have the resources? And how is that going to breed competition as well? Competition is the main thing because one person owning everything, you're not going to have that. We're, go- we're going to see less movies a year in general because they're not going to re- release stuff the same weekend mm. because they're the same company. But that's not too... Whereas sorry. Fox maybe would have done. Mm. Fox maybe would have put a film out the same weekend as a Marvel film comes out because mm. it may be not a big budget film, but they maybe would. But Disney would be like, no, because we're just going to steal our own mm. our audiences. Would it, yeah. But would it give the other film companies, Universal and Sony, the kick up they asked to like start producing better films? Because obviously everyone's now trying to rip off the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. And Universal did that this year with The Mummy, which is just oh, absolutely... God. I've not even seen it, but I've just read it. It's died a death. And now that they're still going to carry on making all the other films they've already signed up for mm. because they're just people keep trying to rush something out. I mean, I even heard at one point they were going to do a Hasbro movie universe. Yeah, the tr- yeah there was, uh, is that all the G.I. Joe and... G.I. Like Joe that? with Transformers the together. Reboot, the rebooting G.I. Joe already. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, God. To be fair, I can't remember the first G.I. Joe film. I, saw, I remember yeah. seeing it. It had like one of the Waynes brothers in it and... Channing Tatum. There was that scene where they bounce. They had those extra suits, and yeah, I'm not really gonna. It's not really worth. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it was just a bit. I don't know. But are movies gonna be the thing they are in another twenty years time, or is it all gonna go towards your streamings, your TV series, things like that? I mean, we say about you got the X Men films, but look at all the different TV shows Fox are doing now under the X Men banner. Which but, I haven't. I haven't watched Gifted, and I haven't watched Legion. I need to watch Legion. Legion I watched the first. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, you go. I watched the first two episodes and really liked it, so I've got the rest of them to watch. Legion. Yeah. I'm gonna get, I need to crack on with Legion because I think he's a great character, new moons and stuff. But Legion is really good. It's an interesting watch. It's creative in its own way. It's very like, it's not a typical TV show. It challenges yeah. a lot. It's good. The Gifted is very bad. The book, Fox, action drama. Yeah. The trailers. Oh my god! They put people like us in prison. Oh. But. Surprisingly, there's some big profile characters in the yeah, gifted. Psylocke's in it. Is it Psylocke? Yes, is it Psylocke? The Blink, or Blink, there's Polaris, Warpath, Warpath, um, um, Struckers. Really? Really? Yeah. So big, big characters. Right. Oh, the families of Struckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is quite interesting. But 
I don't know. I, I will give it a go. I'll give it a go. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of caught up with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the moment, which I think is brilliant. Oh, I've, yeah, I've not watched any of the new series yet. Season it's... four. You know what? I like, I, I've just I bought season four because I watched like the first three episodes. First four episodes, and I was like, this series is incredible. You know, with Ghost Rider. And I started slowly watching it again. And I got them up to, I'm like, I think about five episodes away from finishing. And there was a cliffhanger. Uh, I'm not going to say it because, well, it's spoilers. On this. They're on season five now, so I'll say it now. Yeah. Um, so there's like, they go into this alternate reality and it's like high gen. I was like, oh, you know, when we're reeling everybody's what ifs. Yeah. And like, they started showing Mac, they showed, showed him like, you know, family man, they showed Coulson as a teacher. Like, um, Daisy is with Ward and they're like agents, but you, you think that they're going, to, um, they're going to be working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Then you see May in like a uniform, but you don't see the badge on her shoulder. Camera zooms out, she's at the Triskelion and it just shows a huge Hydra symbol. I was like, no way, they've done it. And it's, it's so, so, so exciting. Like, what I love most about that is that they call that episode What If. What I was, if? I was like, that's, yes. that's what it is. That yeah. What If is like the key Marvel thing. They were great. They, they could do a TV show based on that, couldn't you? But purely based on the What Ifs of the Marvel, the Marvel, What If comics in the Marvel Universe, which I think would be absolutely And it ended up such a good thing as well with them. I'm guessing, as part of, I'm guessing what I was saying it could be called Agents of Sword or something like that, because to me it seems like they're on the, is it the Spy or the? I don't know, because I, I haven't finished it yet. I've oh, got sorry, but I kind of know what you talk. I know where it goes because they kind of. Someone says how they go up to space, and loads of people say, "Is it going to be sword next?" And I was like, "Oh, but," which I thought was quite a good. Book. There's more. They, there's more to it than you think. Are there, you just, you them, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Tell. Uh, do they bring in Abigail Brand at all? You're not saying it. Oh, okay, okay. We're gonna stop. We're gonna stop. Anyway, I do have a list here of like some stuff, some properties that Disney are gonna be getting from. My, um, Fox, they've got Family Guy, they've got Alien, X-Men, you've got Deadpool, obviously, you're going to have Fantastic Four, Die Hard franchise, uh, you've got Predator, you've got Avatar, Planet of the Apes, Kingsman, uh, Home Alone, <laughs> whether they want to reboot them, bring that about, Night at the Museum, uh, Ice Age, Buffy, one for you, Jack, X-Files, which I think is fantastic, 24, um, amazing, Simpsons in Disney hands, which I was like, oh, is this a good or a bad thing? Because the Simpsons... Is its own franchise, isn't it? Same thing as they've got Family Guy, was Family Guy, American Dad, all that sorts of Futurama. In Disney, are they going to try and make them more family friendly? But the fact that these things are at Fox gives them that opportunity to be a bit more, a bit more edgy. And I just kind of worry that Disney are going to try and bring everything under a family banner. And I not... think they will. I think they'll keep it more separate because, like I said, I think it's more for their streaming service and things like that. So they want to leave it all themselves because obviously by like say going for American TV channels they've got ABC and ESPN sort of thing so they'll probably keep Fox channel as its own separate yeah. thing and show these kind of shows on them and not if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing they might take a couple of properties like say Avatar especially because they've got the whole Avatar world now and, and Disney world mm. so they'll probably might focus on that to bring that more under the Disney banner Right. but I think things like you can't die hard just leave that alone they can't do anything with yeah. that yeah um, Unless they then decide to build a, a new whole new theme park, a more adult diehard oriented. <laughs> someone off the can top you, of the hex. Can you make build. it through Christmas? <laughs> can you make it to Christmas Day? Um, I don't know. It, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say I'm gonna be optimistic. I generally do think there's too many streaming services out there. Like I haven't even had, had the chance to watch Runaways yet because I haven't. I, even though it's one of my favorite, it's my one of my favorite set characters. One of my favorite books. Uh, Brian K. Vaughan did that time time ago. I can't afford to pay for another streaming service. I've just had to get rid of Crunchyroll because I'm not really using that enough for manga and anime. Um, I'm paying for what, my Netflix and various music stuff. I just can't afford another one. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not even getting the most out of my Netflix or my watch TV. Do you know what I mean? 
Can you get Runaways over? I didn't think. Have you said, is that on Hulu? In I think it's on Hulu, yeah. yeah. So You're in for a treat when you do get to watch it. I really want to watch good. it. Everyone's talking about just, it's, this is, it's comic book heavy it's comic book friendly and they've just been like right let's and then you've got cloak and dagger next year as well coming out as yeah well. and they've got i don't know i've not seen any humans yet but i've heard a lot of mixed things about it so don't don't. no don't. <laughs> don't <laughs> in humans it's just like yeah it's gonna it's gonna glide past that yeah. i can never understand why they were gonna do it as a film originally because i don't think it was enough i mean they'll probably won't focus on in humans much anymore if they get the mutants back because that's I... why the only reason why they've pushed it yeah it was ike Pelmutter, wasn't it he was really kind of forcing that but um enough about that guy um <laughs> <laughs> that dude. Um, so, any other new, any other bits of news? Yeah, the one big one I've just realised, and I've just forgotten his name, but the person who created Thanos has left Disney, uh, left Disney, left Marvel under unfortunate circumstances. Who created Thanos? Yes, with the writer, yeah, Jim, Jim Starlin. Yes, because he's been writing from recently, hasn't he? Yeah, he's writing a whole new Thanos storyline, ready for Infinity War, and he's now going to finish off this story arc. Is had a massive falling out with Marvel, and is now going off. So, why is that? Just could have created differences or something like that. I've just right. kind of read like a, st- a generic statement put out. Mm. It's not been officially, you know, nothing's come out but yet. That's what? standard Marvel, though, isn't it? Like they're not whatever relationship they've got with their writers and artists these days. It just seems to be crumbling. Everyone just seems to be jumping ship. Well, like I said about Ben Bendisley, although I also just read as well that he's been really ill for the past couple of mm. past couple of months. But yeah. he's gone to DC, and that's a big loss for Marvel, in my yeah. opinion. But I kind of thought it was almost. It, he was on everything, wasn't it? And I'd like to see what he does with a completely set of characters. Um, I reckon he's kicking himself now that they can probably put a Fantastic Four book out. Because that's the one group of characters. I mean, he did Ultimate Fantastic Four, but he, he hasn't really had a crack at Fantastic Four. No. So I reckon he's kicking himself now that uh, the potential to put a Fantastic Four book out. Do you think they'll bring the comics back if they do get the... Because obviously the kind of... Hickman had his run, didn't he? And kind of had it all ended on... Um, Secret Wars. Right. I think once the film rights are back back home, we'll see a Fantastic Four book on the shelf. I've never really been a fan of like um, Fantastic Four, unless it was the Ultimate stuff, and I thought that was incredible. Um, I H- thought it was. Sorry. Hickman stuff was good. Yeah. But I love a bit of world building. Like, yeah. Like. And it make it like very st- stellar into Galactic. I don't know. I've just got issues with Reed Richards, and it all stems from reading the Marvel Zombies. When it's like, oh, this is the perfect, you know, this is the perfect outcome, you know, let them meet you, and he lets his whole family get eaten by the zombies. I'm just like, what a dick. <laughs> that, that was, yeah. That was. And every time she's like, oh, I can't stand this guy. And it's always whenever there's like some kind of time travel element in the Marvel Universe, there's always Franklin Richards, there's always seems to appear out of nowhere. So yeah. I think any timeline, there's Franklin Richards is just there. Like. He appears and kind of fixes everything. It's like that, he's that very kind of Deus Ex Machina sort of figure, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, you sort of got to fear for the story when they've introduced characters so powerful that Franklin would just sort it. Like, mm. Yeah. I mean, they kind of did that back in the night when they had like, powerful characters when they brought in the senatory sort of thing, but then had him killed off sort of thing because he was like the all powerful superhero. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention that Kill or Be Killed has um has been greenlit for a movie, which I think is amazing. It's about this guy. Have you guys read it? I've not read it. I've not read that. So one. the basic synopsis is that you got a dude who's got mental health issues, um, mental health problems. He's not sure. If, he tried to commit suicide, and then. He does jump out the window, but then he gets saved by the devil. Now, he ends up breaking his arm, but he's not sure if he broke his arm through the fall or because the devil did it, because there's a scene where the devil's like, oh, let me prove you I'm real, like, snaps his arm. But then he's like, oh, my God, this is insane. So you're not sure if he's seeing things or if it's, you know, he's playing games with himself and it's it's incredible. It's essentially like if... Yeah, it's essentially if kind of... Um, 
I don't know. I was gonna say if Spider-Man was a bad guy, but then it's the complete opposite of what Spider-Man would be. Yeah, so it's a kind of like it's like this kind of this vigilante because he has to keep he has to kill someone once a month in order for him to live. And if he doesn't, he starts to get sick and he starts dying himself. So and it's just like him battling with his own mental health issues and you know his relationship with his friends and obviously having to go through all these tasks of having to kill someone. And it's very real world. It's very real time and it's very believable and it's told and it's the storytelling is very like. It keeps you in his head, so you you're constantly guessing, but in a in a in a sense of like you're never you're constantly guessing, but in a sense of like you, it's it's is this real? Is that real? You are kind of living his life through his eyes. If that makes sense? That's not a very good explanation. I'm, <laughs> I'm aware, but it's it's good. It's good. I, yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, yeah. that's pretty interesting premise though. Really, I suppose. Mm. I'm guessing does he kill bad guy like bad guys then or pardon? Is it just bad guys? Who yeah, he and he's it? just finding like mobsters and like douchebags and dickheads to kind of like <laughs> to to find out. But then you think like how how who is he to kind of judge? Sort It'd of be like the Punisher thing. with a bit of a twist to it yeah it's a punisher with a bit of heart yeah <laughs> <If that laughs> so the punisher don't care who he kills ah, so as long like, as they're bad he just goes for anyone um okay so i think we should get into it um so the rules are and i'm going i'm looking at i'm looking at our rules list here so each episode of comic box rumble is going to feature a specific topic and that can be anything quite broad so a bit more specific so we can talk about a whole franchise or we can talk about an individual character themselves um and we're going to have like a one winner who gets to put their choice of what they feel represents their topic in the comic box rumble box, which we're going to say, do we agree on how often we're going to give the prize out every six weeks or every quarter? Said. Every six or something, just so people have something where yeah, they're winning. Every six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. So every six weeks, you know, we're going to give out the box, which is going to have like kind of six episodes worth of prizes in it. So, it could be like I don't know, pop vinyls, comic books, experiences, you know, something interesting and associated with whoever wins the report of that episode. It's very different. Um I like the I like the I like the I like the potential and the possibility of what I'm gonna learn from you guys. Uh there's a few faces in the room a bit like, oh I'm, uh, looking a bit worried, but I'm I'm I trust your confidence and passion about this, about these genres. So I know that it's gonna be interesting. Like each presenter has three chances to interrupt others during an episode and can use them as well whenever they like and you know once each presenter has delivered their pitch the rest of the group we're going to vote uh, you can't go vote you can't vote yourself but you can vote which one should go in the box and the winner has to put an item in the box like we said which represents their choice such like we said comic trade toy plush or whatever sort of memorabilia now the item which is going in the box isn't revealed until the winner has been chosen which I think is the only thing that's going to be quite like... Ooh, I think uh, we're going to use that for tiebreakers yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, use it for tiebreakers. Um, so presenters who presenters who are tied reveal them re- reveal what item they're going to put in the box and the remaining non-time presenters decide on which one should go in. Yeah, so every six episodes. Yeah, so we're done there. So with this one, today we're going to be looking at... Brah, 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 Thor. Now, I just realised we haven't thought of a system to see who goes first. How do you want to do this? I have no idea. I don't mind going first. Do you want me to go first? You go first. You kind of Just like to get the ball get the, rolling. Get the ball going, yeah. So this episode, we're going to look at Thor, uh, namely because Thor Ragnarok came out this year. Um, I don't want to say as a surprising hit, because I've always had a faith in the Thor character and the Thor movies. Um, but it was it was an absolute smash, wasn't it? Oh, it was brilliant. Uh, Take Watiti uh, took the helms as uh, the director, and it was like a buddy cop movie through space yeah. with Thor and the Hulk. Combining yeah. the best part, it's pretty much best parts. Planet, Planet Hulk, World War Hulk, wasn't it? 
um, with a bit of Thor. Yeah. yeah. I think that that kind of style of the film could be, you know, part of the next. I think it's obviously because like Marvel can't really make a Hulk film can they because I think the rights are little universe yeah, or right. something like that so that's the way of shoehorning the Hulk into getting his own little fi- or half a film oh the team ups are part of yeah, comic books so yeah. let's have more team up movies I think please that, that's going to be part of the next phase you know like you had Iron Man in a lot of kind of Spider-Man Homecoming yeah. we had Thor out Hulk in the in the Thor movie and that's it kind of holds a draw as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember Kevin Feige was like, "Oh, the reason why we don't, one of the reasons why we don't want to do a, a solo Hulk movie is because when you put the Hulk in, something people will turn up to see him." But I think that it makes sense as well because he's yeah. such a visually and like, um, emotionally, phys- uh, he's he's a fantastic character. Kids uh, love him. Yeah, yeah. kids love that. And like, uh, not that Hulk. And they got the perfect actor as well. I think. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna admit I was like, "What, Mark Ruffalo?" The only thing I'd seen him before that was the kids are all right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I really like the Edward Norton Hulk, Edward, Edward Hulk, Edward Hulk, Incredible Hulk. And I was like, oh, Edward, uh, Matt Ruffalo wasn't too sure, but then I love the guy. I think he's fantastic. And he plays the Hulk, doesn't he? Like, he, he does the capture for it. Yeah. It's his face. It's like, Good he plays belly. it. He's got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm I'm going to be doing my sort of pitch, my report on... So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of tell you about the... Yeah, we don't know what each... Person's yeah, doing yeah. It at the minute. Yeah, so. I feel bad though because I've kind of like just been like looking through stuff on my own and not actually got anything written down. Kind of got it all planned out on my head. Man, that's and I like, and oh, I feel like I'm, I now feel like very underprepared now. But I can know I can talk. I've kind of got two separate areas. What I'm gonna. That's brilliant. Just got to bring it. Yeah, bring the knowledge. Bring the noise. Um, so mine is, I'm gonna look at the amazing, amazing story uh, art from um, from Thor, God of Thunder. And the stories are, well, it's God Bomb, but it's broken down into two parts. So you've got God, um, God Butcherer and God Bomb. So this came out to, uh, t- uh, 2013, written by Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic. Have I said that right? Asad Ribic? I think it's Asad. Asad Ribic. And it's, to me, I've read a lot of Thor books, but when I read this one, you should, the conditions I was in when I read this one, it was a Sunday morning, I was extremely, extremely hungover, and I may or may not have called in sick to work at the time. This was good good few years ago and i remember just reading the first few issues and i was just like wow this is incredible so i read god butcher which is like six issues long and i pulled myself together and the cycle to the comic shop because i had to read the next bit i had to read god bomb it's fantastic um so i've called the first section what the f so what's going on here so the story um unfolding in in thor god of thunder involves in this in this story you've got three versions of thor um so you've got a young thor who's been kicking it and traveling and adventuring with kind of young Viking warriors, which makes some of the greatest moments of the actual book itself, where you just, you, you're going through time, you see Thor just kind of in taverns, chilling with Viking with Vikings, drinking, yeah, chatting up the women and they're all going out, having a laugh. And I just think that's incredible. That's it. It's just nice little points there. And you've got present day, mighty slash Avengers, um, heroic avenging Thor. And then we've got old King Thor who rules over a dark, desolate future. Now it's, this whole thing, the God Butcher, the first part of the arc, takes place in the lifetime of kind of avenging Thor. And the main villain is a guy called Gore, who travels through time and is tormenting him as a young Thor, mighty Thor, and awfully uh, in uh, in the future in the future with um old Thor. Now, um, Gore's first the first time you see Gore with young Thor, kind of he captures it and he tortures like the God of Thunder, and it's a really interesting kind of dynamic because you never really see Thor in those positions where he's well we don't really see much of that 
old Thor, do we? Where he's kind of cocky, he's not going in like prepared, he's not analysing his victory. He's like, well, I've got. Oh, I need to add, he doesn't actually have Mjolnir at this time. He's got the Janan board, he's got the axe, um, because obviously he's not worthy Thor yet. So um, he's still powerful. Uh, he's still, you know, cocksure, but he's more physical rather than using the other elements to kind of take down his villains. But he gets his ass kicked. And it's a bit like uh, a bit embarrassing because you see this kind of very cocksure version of Thor getting getting his ass handed to him by this guy, and it's a bit who doesn't physically look like a match for him. So on paper, it's a bit like, what's going on here? You know, why is this happening? You know, you 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 got this faith, and I think this is what a testimony to the Thor character is. I see kind of Thor sometimes like Marvel's Superman sometimes because he's like almost the epitome of like wanting to be the best you can be doing the right thing is that sort of valiant sort of hero. And when you see him getting his ass handed to him so early, you think, okay, what does he have to do to become the Thor that we all know it and that we all know and love? And he's a very far away version of this guy. So it sets you up for that sort of journey. Um, so yeah, so, and this story is told in sort of three different ways. So it's told from, it's told, it goes back in time. So you see young Thor, um, Avenging Thor and Future Thor. So I'll give an example. In one of the issues you see in the past, Gore, uh, we've told you that, that I've told you that um, interaction Gore has with Thor, and then in the present, Thor discovers that this trail of blood, and he's almost it almost becomes like an investigation. Um, as kind of Avenging Thor discovers that Gore is killing gods, and he kind of goes on this manhunt across the universe, and then it takes you into the future where this Gore character you see his one because he's kind of controlling the universe after killing loads and loads of different gods, except old King Thor, who he kind of keeps alive. And I'm going to explain a bit more about that later. And one of the things about this book is that if you've ever read, ever read Batman stuff, think about some of the best detective moments that you've ever had in a Batman story where you are genuinely in there. You're almost like kind of the fly on the wall or the kind of like the ghost on his shoulder, watching him take all these pieces together and you're literally kind of figuring out the story as it goes along. It's like that, but imagine that in a Thor book, which instead of taking you around Gotham, around the city, it takes you across, you know, across galaxies and across space, which I think it's really, and I've never seen anything like that before in a Thor book. Usually it's just smash and grab, you know, there's a, monster or he's going off with the Warriors 3 rather than rather than he kind of it hones in on his intelligence and I thought for me that was the first time I've really ever seen that never saw that in the kind of the um was it Hick who did it with um Koipel and Fraction um, JMS but never know how to say Stan yes um, is it Chukinsky I can't how not yeah JMS apologies yeah <laughs> he he his ruin the the there was JMS and also Fraction when they did the uh runs with Koipel. They were good stories, but they were never like intelligent Thor stories. You know, him, you know, gods are immortal, so they would have amassed a years and years of knowledge. Let's see them use it, which I really thought you got you got through this. I think I like to just like throw out an interruption there sort of thing. They've like changed Thor a lot since they got rid of the whole Donald Blake character, hmm. which used to be kind of a the major plot they've once it's all thing. And like with obviously the stick and things like that, and then summons the power of Thor, and they've kind of thought, no, we don't need him anymore sort of thing, and that's why I think they're able to tell a lot more different stories now as opposed to not a fish out of water situation sort of thing, but it's yeah. kind, of, kind of a case of he's got, it's an alter ego life sort of thing, mm. but now they think, no, we don't need him anymore, just let's have Thor just by himself now and not have a, a different weaknesses for him really or something like that. Yeah, and you don't have to kind of worry about, well, I say worry, you don't have all the need to flesh out that earthly cast 
you know, his relationships you might have with the likes of Jen Foster or his colleagues in the hospital or people that lives near. You don't have all that sort of, like, I don't know, extraordinary storytelling time. You can just focus on the individual and what this person's doing. And, like, it's interesting you mentioned that, Tom, because... um, they do spend. I was gonna. I'll, I'll get onto how they spend quite a lot of time with the villain in this, which you don't usually see. But I'll, like I said, I'll explain that. Um, I'll explain that in a little bit. So like, yeah. So as I was saying, it take. It's the best detective moments that you might get in a Batman um, book and stick it in a Thor book. And the mighty Thor follows a trail of blood that threatens to kind of consume his past, present, and future. And it, which is really, really cool because you see how this blood trail, even though it's taking place in the now. This is something that's been spanning over a millennia. So the way that they're kind of filling these detective points by bouncing back to young Thor and then bouncing in over to the future to see old King Thor, you think, oh my God, this it's somewhat like the weirdest linear form of storytelling. You think that your brain's gonna explode, but it just works so well. And I'm trying not I'm trying to kind of get the essence of it without giving away too many of the hints and the detective side of it, because I want people to read it. Does the um three stories does that make it hard to read for a new reader who's never read Thor book before? No, because in fact, one of my um, summaries I've put: you don't have to, uh, you don't have to know anything to read this book, but it's perfect for long-time readers uh, because it gives you a storytelling about Thor that is completely new, um, which I think is a lot of, uh, that is kind of lacking these days. But for someone who's picking this book up, you can just be like, oh, that's that's clearly Thor when he's younger. Oh, he's clearly just kind of, oh, where's his hammer? Oh, he's clearly hasn't earned the right to have the hammer yet. And you, oh, that's clearly old Thor. And in the future, something has clearly gone wrong. So, you know what I mean? It's so for new and old readers, it's like, it's perfect. You don't usually get a lot of comic books like that these days, especially when, you know, there's all this renumbering. You know, this is the perfect jumping on point for new <laughs> readers. But when new readers pick it up, uh, so when current readers pick it up, you think, I know most of this stuff, and you're not carrying on. You know, you're not carrying on kind of two story arcs worth of storytelling. We've almost kind of reset. So I think that's which is why I was like, this is looking going back and reading it now. I was like, this was 2013. I feel it's very ahead of its time. It's 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 done what comics have been trying to do for the past couple of years in terms of this. Let's pull in new and younger younger readers. Um, so we've got some amazing like weird moments, and I I like this because. You've got, like I said, Thor was uh, Thor was kind of tortured by Gore, which is the main villain of this, which I'll talk a bit more about him in a bit, um, for weeks and months. And that affects him in the now. And it's really, you see how he kind of comes over, having once beaten this guy, to having been tortured by this guy, how this affects King Thor. So when all these different Thors kind of associate and meet each other, it's it's a really interesting dynamic because you can see he's got all these old wounds that one of them is dealing with right there and then that yet you've got this future thought who's kind of reminiscing and feeling the effects of what has happened in the past does that make sense is it from a particular thought's point of view then well is it it king thor looking back no because you you have in this and i'll I'll talk about how the how it's all put together you've got a it's almost narrated to you so we're following thought like there's almost like a nameless narrator Yet, when we spend time with Gore, uh, Gore, the villain, everything is narrated from his point of view. So it makes you think, hang on a second, why is it we're following Thor in this moment, at this point in time, not necessarily him dictating to us because it's the now. Yet when it's the villain stuff, it's all coming from him. So then you think, how can I judge his reasons for being who he is or his decisions for going out and doing what he does? Because um, 
Wait, I'll get back. Hold on, let me try and let me just find these notes about him. Um, yeah, so I'll, you know, so I put I like the villain you I like the idea you're following one villain over the course of a thousand years, and this can really work with Thor and not all the characters like Captain America or Logan. Even though they get really old, they can't span across that sort of lifetime and do what they do because they're not obviously as healthy or as fit. You know, it's not as kind of they don't. Kind of, they don't have as many chances to do as many feats of strength as someone, let's say, of the likes of Thor. But you get to spend a lot of time with this villain and you understand him more, you empathise with him, but you're thinking, like I said, these these moments are narrated by him. So you think, how can I trust his story here? here? How compelling is it really? Is this really just... Are his actions really that just? You know, there's always that air of ambiguity with what he says. And you can see how Gore goes from this serial killer of gods killing people one by one on one with his bare hands to just something else entirely like his experience grows and his mindset just kind of develops and he becomes this somewhat justified maniacal almost kind of i don't want to say maniac but yeah i'll say quite you can see how he's gone so so out there so well from what his initial intentions of are and you feel a bit more attracted well attracted, attached to him because we spent so much more time with him because you think about it when you let's look at infinity or something you you look at the moments when you're jumping with villains it's always to figure out what their plan is what they're doing next and it jumps back to the heroes this is like you spend a, a lot of time with his family you you remit like you said you reminisce in his past and stuff that he's done and the way he suffered when he was younger and how like he tried to turn his suffering to helping people so you think okay there's there's conflict here. It's not just a bad guy that's like, I want to get the Infinity Gauntlet and destroy and destroy and take over the world or the Red Skull. I want to rework rework the world in my image. This guy is actually there's some pain there, and there's a mo there's moments and glimpses of redemption, and you see that a lot just because we have the time. We've been given the time to kind of understand who this guy is, and it's 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 nice to see a bad guy where we don't just see the results of their actions and a and a, and a hero going against them. You know, we're not just seeing them ske scheming. We we're able to kind of see some sort of depth. Does that make sense? It does. I think and I think that's a trick that Jason Aaron does. He looks at things from different perspectives, and you can, if you read some of his other works or thing, long storylines. Southern Bass has been something particular mm. that's focused on a very nasty, deep South American state. Yeah, thing, yeah. Which obviously has got a lot of horrible people there, sort of thing. But it'll spend multiple issues looking at the hero and like how they, you know, trying to. But, you know, trying to do the right thing, sort of thing, or what he does, you know, or you know, do what he's trying to get the words like, you know, preparing himself for the fight and things like that. But then he'll spend longer time on the villain and you know, see how they became the villain themselves, sort of thing, but then showing just how a bit of a nasty bit of the work is. And I've noticed mm. that in a few of his other bits of work as well, even like on the late Star Wars run, sort of thing, he was um, relaunched that with him. Which one did he do? Which one did Jason Aaron do? Star Wars, the actual Star Wars. Oh, did he do? Yeah, he's, oh, he's okay. just he's just stepped back from it now, but um, and Kieran Gillen's taken over yeah, after okay. he did um, Darth Vader. Yes, but yeah, yeah. I, I think he's got the ability to talk from multiple perspectives. I think I think he's he's and he doesn't always seem to have clear cut heroes and villains. Mm. I think as well sometimes Jason Aaron's work. I think Jason Aaron did Scouts as well, didn't he? He did indeed did Scouts. Yeah, and that is full. Of, that is a noir. That is full of awful, awful people. I need and to read that because I've been so much good stuff. Please read it. it. Have you guys read it, Joe? I have not read it. No. It is incredible. Like, I've gone back. I've gone back to it a few times because I just think, why am I so attached? And it's again with Gore. He's a great villain, and you think I shouldn't be on his side because of what he's done. And there's some I of think that. You're showing a lot about your character. I know. I know. You associate a lot with I, terrible, terrible I know, people. Ter <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, maybe because 
I think when you've got great heroes, it's hard to find someone that could be their equal, you know, that can really give someone a hard time. And when you empathise with someone that's doing something awful, it's a question into how you see things. Like, it, does, it makes you question stuff about yourself, and that's what art does. You, you reflect back on how you see the world and how you see what you're reading. And it's just, I love it. I love that conflict. And um, just going back to one of the weird moments, because if you've ever seen anything with old Thor, um, and you you and you're aware of what Odin's like. Old Thor, like King Thor, is a lot like Odin. And you have this you have this part where King Th- old King Thor, who's been tortured, and he sees what Avenging Thor has gone through. He understands what that kind of moment's about. But um, King Thor is just is an arsehole. He's literally Odin, and then young Avenging Thor looks at King Thor and thinks, "That is Odin. How do I go from being me to being Odin to?" being you know what i pretty much despise and then you've got king thor who's looking at your uh, avenging thor thinking this guy the mighty thor he's all about being honor honorable and valiant and true he has no idea of the world that's around him so you've got these two got the same guy that's been twisted and conflicted and you think is it this moment is it that bad this thing that's happened with gore that's spanning over years is this what turns the tide on Thor is this what really kind of twists him at the end of time you're not sure because then you think is he actually going to come out of it because if you've got evidence of the future right there in front of you and you're battling this this threat right now it doesn't look good so you think okay this is what's happening because old Thor's there with his eye patch he's missing an arm so he's got the destroyer's arm on him and he just it's just bitter and you find out something about King Thor's situation where he is currently pretty much at the end of time with Gaul and he's he's ruling over an empty Asgard, and what happens every day? Gore sends legions of his his aliens, his monsters, and his guard to fight Old Thor, and they just fight. And Thor is there with his hammer and his axe, and he's just fighting, chopping people down until he can't fight anymore. And then Gore's legions just beat the crap out of him, and then leave him, and they come back and do that every single day. So this has been happening for thousands, thousands of years, and it's just like, it's just sad, and it's just like you can understand why he's so bitter. And why he sees that this younger version of himself, I think he's jealous of the hope and optimism that he once had, that this person has it and he's totally gone. Um, and Thor, he looks at his old himself and he's like, that's too much like my dad. You know, and he, I think this is one thing that kind of gives him a bit of a boost in the story. He doesn't want to grow up to be this person. So he needs to do everything he can in this moment to try and kind of rewrite what is going on at this moment in time and it's a really nice kind of the dynamics between the two of them especially when you've got this young Thor who's going on about you know one day I'll have my hammer one day I'll be worthy he's just like little kid brother kind of chirping around it's a really kind of interesting interaction and see the potential growth of characters which you don't really see a lot of time you can never really see that on one page you can only look back and see this growth when you kind of look but go and have a look through someone's canon think, oh my god he used to act like this now he's like that, and he goes on to be this type of character, and it's um, yeah, it's it's cool because you know King Thor annoyed by present day Thor, who's like I said, he's his valiant hero, and you know Mo- uh, Mighty Thor is this, you know, he's the Avenger, but to old King Thor, he's just ignorant and clueless, but he seems to, a Mighty Avenger Thor is the Thor that we all know and love. Oh no, that's fine. No. Sorry, <laughs> green lights is coming. It just means that um, someone's yeah doing the news. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so, so I've used one of my reasons why I thought this was so unique and so special because I like the idea of following one villain over the course of a thousand years and like this can only really work with a character like Thor and obviously maybe some of the other gods but there's no other characters like Thor who are that popular um, that are uh, really attractive to read 
or story like this about. Um, I thought Gore as a villain was fantastic because basically he comes from a world where his gods have pretty much forsaken the people and when they would pray, put out offerings and need help in desperate times, the gods would just kind of sit by and watch. So he grew up resenting gods and he kind of hones his skills and develops a way of fighting and understanding how to kill gods so he can like he becomes a serial killer and throughout time he starts killing all the gods but then he kind of changes his motives and you know wants to do it on a wider scale which leads mighty thought to kind of figure out what's going on where are all the gods when he's flying through the cosmos he's like trying to figure out what's happened to them all um because he's humanized you spend a lot of time with him um you do begin to kind of sympathize with him a little bit but then you still think is a massive tool because of what he does to some people and one of the people i think is this guy called shadrach now he's like your sidekick character slash you kind of your ultimate kind of bullet factor of sadness and like this guy has had a really really bad time so he's this kind of like a little kind of um green god alien you think he's, he's mad because thor finds him in the cave in this cave where he had his first fight with gore and where he first kind of beat gore and he convinces Thor that he's the god of madness and you know he just has a real wide time so Thor's like right you can come with me you might be able to help me out because if you're here you might know something and you find out that this guy is actually he's been spared by Gore and I don't know if I should say because I want to kind of save it for the I could say who he is or I don't know I don't kind of I don't because I'm I'm trying to gauge like how much we reveal in this type of because if it's something you want people to read you don't want to give them give away because when I read this moment i was like oh okay uh it was like a big... spoilers in the description for everything yeah okay so spoilers so this guy ends up actually being the god of bombs and because he watched his entire pantheon get tortured and killed by gore he was spared so he could build a essentially a, a god bomb and he's so grieved by it he actually goes insane and you know he tries to he helps thor some way on his journey and you know he's he's, he's such you feel sorry for the guy because he had he had his eyelids cut off so he, he couldn't look away from watching his kind of his fellow gods be tortured and you know he's he's a really sound guy and he, he, his story about what he he's, he's gone through over the, over the millennia is you know you know it's quite tragic um so i think he, he's another character that he adds a lot kind of oomph to the story because he fills in a lot of what has actually been going on and um in comparison with thor you'd ex expect thor to be quite impatient but this thought is very kind of takes his time with him tries to help him and no matter how big of a problem Thor's trying to fix he kind of still got time for that street level sort of the little guy which you don't usually associate Thor with do you but you see him doing all these little bits and bobs like he got certain civilizations whose goddess of rain and thunder who have um who were you know who need like kind of minerals for crops water for crops Thor will swing by a planet and make it rain and help people. you know he's doing all these little bits and that's that's really really nice um so it kind of even though it's a grand intergalactic story you still got these elements of kind of superheroics, which I was like, you know, it's Jason Aaron, you know, he's got it, he's got it, he's got it all kind of, um, he's got it all in there. You've got these black berserkers, which are kind of gauze hound like dogs, like they're, he's not kind of like his foot shoulders, so foot, foot shoulders, they're really, really good. Um, they're an interesting sort of kind of element for Thor to overcome. You've got the granddaughter, granddaughters of Thor, who are absolutely badass. Now, I'm not going to tell you in what circumstances you find them, but they are unbelievable. And the Vikings, right? They are, the, I put, I've got a note here because anytime you see young Thor with Vikings, I'm like, mate, these are the lads of history. Like they're just drinking, they're just chilling, they're going out with young Thor and it's class. Like I said, it's a nice little point. And it kind of made me think that 
maybe, okay, I don't know where you stand on religion or if you believe in gods or, or anything, but there was a point in time where humanity was on drinking terms with the gods. You know what I mean? We were that close to kind of spirituality in comparison to look at the times we're at now where we, we couldn't be we couldn't be further removed from that sort of lifestyle. And, you know, that's what people, that's where people's face were. That's what people look to. And this is why the whole God Bomb story makes a lot of sense because it really gives you that sort of essence of not just people on earth, but people in the cosmos, other civilizations, how they relied on gods and the essence of spirituality and what happens when the gods don't deliver. Um, so why, I'll kind of sort of wrap up because I realize I've been talking a while. So why um, the storytelling? It's time travel, um, it's linear, but it's still all over the place and it bounces back with great reason and it, each time it moves to a different timeline, it takes the story forward. So even if you're moving backwards, you are still driving the narrative ahead and it, it's it's hard to do that without time travel just being a gimmick in a story. Um, it's well-crafted, each time spent with the characters is worthwhile and like I said, takes the story forward. This is a real Thor book, like he's a hero of old, he's valiant, and you know, he's this is the mighty Thor at his best, you know, holding this piece together with a young Thor and an older Thor, where people might be attracted to spend a bit more time with a Thor that they haven't seen that much. You still want to see more of the Thor that you know. Um, and it's it ends in a typical Thor fashion and reminds you why Thor is the person he is in the Marvel Universe. And as we mentioned before, because uh, Jack, I think you asked the question, you don't have to know anything about Thor of the Marvel Universe to know this book. Um, because it gives long-term readers something entirely new and it gives first-time readers and it gives them something entirely new and it opens up a, an in-depth world which is pretty, well, I think it's pretty easy to follow. And finally, it's a stellar story and I literally mean that because it da dances all over time and space, different realities. It's an absolute ride and you're there for the whole for the for, for the entire in for the entire journey. And I've I've classed it as a buddy buddy cop noir because when he um <laughs> when he teams up with uh, Shadrach, you know, the god of god of bombs slash god of madness, it becomes like, you know, you've got your little kind of little sidekick with your your, your hard-hitting sort of experienced guy. And it's it's a nice because you think it's going to be like a solo journey, but, you know, it's it's cool. Following the bodies of gods. Uh, yeah, when Thor goes on this kind of detective mission, as you follow the bodies of gods, you find out about new worlds and new planets. So, you know, when we saw, well, if you've seen The Force Awakens, this whole new side to the Star Wars universe. It's beautiful, it's colourful. You think, wow, you know, it's it's given me a familiar world, but show me, you know, show me the what ifs, the wonders of the galaxy that, you know, you, you know that is the Star Wars galaxy. It just does the same thing with our reality. This is planet Earth, but imagine if there are other civilizations within our galaxy, this is what they could be like, but you, it, you still feel like it's something closer to home. Um, yeah, so that's that's my Thanks, report. man. How was, yeah, was that all right? That's good. Yeah. I was like, oh, good God, bad. I'm rambling. But yeah, I just love it. And when, when we mentioned Thor, I was like, it has to be. So it's God of Thunder, but the two stories are, the, the first kind of 11 issues are God uh, God Butcher and God Bomb. I, I didn't want to say too much about the villain and what happens in the end, but yeah, yeah. I think you can piece it yeah. together. It's funny that because mine falls on directly after that. Is it? Because I picked Lady Thor. Oh right, yes. So that's the volume of that is uh, that's Jason Aaron as well, isn't it? That's Jason Aaron as well. Oh, yeah. So okay, my, okay. that's what mine's kind of leading on to hold. Um, how I've not read much of that stuff. I kind of picked up from obviously just one of those interests to see what it was like. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about it anyway. But that's what that's what I've kind of gone for. So it's funny when you went that. Like, oh right, okay. Mine's gonna go straight after yours. Brilliant, brilliant. And a few of the things are kind of what he said about the writing sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so. Awesome. Yeah, so. Hold on, I'm just gonna move that. Sorry, the mic. There you go.
Okay. That's cool. Do you want to... No, it's fine. Yeah, so I've got to have it. I'm, I'm not... Obviously, keep hearing this microphone there, so I keep moving aside like that. So. Do you want to go next? Or, Jack, who wants to go? I don't mind going next. Um, who wants to go? I don't mind. Whatever. I don't mind. I, I'll go. I'm going to throw it in a different direction. I'm okay. Gonna... And then, yeah, okay. so then, and then Tom, you can bring it back. It's okay. Right around, yeah. okay. Yeah, so... And I think you guys ought to use two interruptions there as well, two each. Yeah, I, I think, think. Was it two? I think I used three. Did you? I think I cheated a little bit. Oh, no, because we said three, didn't we? So yeah. Three, yeah. Right, okay. But yeah. Go um, on, yeah, I'm going to throw it in a bit of a different direction. Instead of talking about a specific run right. on a character book, I'm going to talk about a specific version of Thor. Um, I'm a fan of all versions of Thor. I love Thor. I mean, Thor's my character. I love the movie Thor. I love comic book Thor. But I kind of like Ultimate Marvel a bit more than I like Thor. So I'm going to talk about Ultimate Thor. Yeah. Um, character close to my heart um i got into the ultimate universe because i thought i want to read all of something so i want to be able to pick up three books a month and know everything and like if people don't know ultimate marvel is like its own little universe lasted about was it 15 years maybe yeah yeah, it's a lot, yeah. and it was long wasn't it? it was long yeah and their thought was a bit different to the other versions of thought i mean where so where do we start um one of the things that initially drew me to him was like the design and the costume he wore. Visually, he looked different to every version of Thor mm. team before. Brian Hitch had redesigned like all of the Ultimates, the Avengers, and it was instead of wearing a silly helmet, a cape, or like Vikingish gear, he wore like it was a suit. It was for warfare. It was like it had a belt, it had a hammer, it had these power chest plates on the on his body it was great and he had a beard which is cool <laughs> <laughs> superheroes should have beards <laughs> not clean there's, there's, not, there's not a lot of bearded superheroes really is there no no it's, it's becoming like a bit of a thing now isn't it yeah. Yeah. maybe because they're, they're fashionable in in the in the world outside your window as marvel would put it hipster heroes, hipster heroes right. um and i looked at that character and i thought i don't know i connected with it a bit more than a normal thought because I like the real world. I like being able to imagine these heroes in the world today. And I don't know, I'm not a religious person, but I don't think Thor was real. <laughs> um, don't say that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, where are we going to go with this? Um, so, yeah, uh, Thor was introduced in Mark Miller's and Brian Hitch's The Ultimates back in 2000, 2001. And he was presented as a bit of a hipster, anarchistic sort of like crazy person i think really um you didn't know if he was a god that that's probably a key part of his character that initially was he just some superhero no super powered crazy person or was he actually the god of thunder and i mean it took a while to get to the answer to that which i'll get to in a bit um he's and initially you introduced him and he's called thorleaf goleman and he is like i said a hippie protester in some scandinavian state and Nick Fury's trying to recruit him to join the Ultimates because he's shown that he's powerful, he's shown that he has strength. And he's a bit reluctant at first because the Ultimates in the Ultimate Universe are almost like America's little like army, private army, and he's a bit reluctant to get involved at first. Um, yeah, I'm going to skip a bit. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm reading from notes because. Oh, um, basically, this we're talking about a full the full lifespan of a character here, so we're not going to talk about any specific story arcs because 
there's a lot to cover. Whereas Kofi talks about two arcs and it took 20 minutes if we talk about yeah. Yeah. a full universe of stories. It'll take us quite a while. Um, so we're going to talk about mainly Mark Miller's version of him and Jonathan Hickman's version of him. Uh, Mark Miller set him up as this, like like I say, this hippie character. Jeff Loeb made him something else, which we're not going to sort of talk about for a bit. And then Hickman brought him back to his, his roots. And that's the sort of story that I'm going to talk about when Ultimates was relaunched under Hickman. And we had this character who his Asgard was destroyed he's he was no longer a god the world tree was burnt and um he he got brought back to his car what he was in, in the original ultimates which was a character who had a suit was a real person and I've lost my way a bit shit man sorry um sorry. so yeah um I initially said what drew me to the character was his suit and his design at mm. first um and the belt and the hammer which they was all built within the story as part of the European Defence Initiative or yeah. European Defence League. Yeah, so each European country had their own sort of like superhero team. Mm. And part of Thor's initial origin that he was potentially um, Norway's hero, I believe. Right. Um, this is later to sort of like twisted to turn out that it's in fact a bit of a manipulation by Loki. And um, although he was a subject of this European Defence Initiative, He's actually really a god, as we find out at the end of Ultimates 2. Mm. But Loki sort of told him he wasn't and then made it his idea to sort of make the weapons how they did. And what Hickman did was merge Mark Miller's version of the character, Jeff Loeb's version of the character, and made these convoluted origins mm. into one. Um, yeah. Uh, basically, I also love the design of the hammer. Gone is this sort of like square rock beveled average and it's a hammer axe yeah a hammer and an axe and it's goddamn cool um and it's back as well and it's back as yeah. well so that's is like, it yeah, yeah it's um oh is that um volstag is using his warthor yeah yeah um hopefully you might see it in the movies as well yeah that'd be cool obviously that would be cool i mean depower thor and then you can have a power suited thor in the films there you go um some of the character highlights I liked was he loves his beer. I mean, I think that's a staple of Thor's in general. Mm. Every Thor loves their beer. <laughs> yeah. um, I've mentioned his beard. Beards are cool. Mm. There's a there's a storyline in Ultimate Fantastic Four where he's the president of the United States. And what? How cool would that that's be? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah um, Can I interrupt here? Can I? Did you read the um, the Thor's story arc as part of Secret yes, Wars? Yes, I did. Yeah. That was a detective. That was cool. And that was, yeah, and that was yeah. That was Ultimate Thor. That was incredible. Like him and he joins up with like Beta Ray Bill, doesn't he? Or yeah, something yeah. Like that. And they go, what What are they investigating? Are they? It's the death of the thought. Thor's death being murdered. No, um, yeah, he is. You're no, right. Isn't it? Thor's been murdered. Is it Thor's been murdered? Or is it Jane Foster's getting murdered? No, Thor's been murdered. Yeah. And yeah. then they're, they're trying to find out who's ha who killed him. And I, I love that the whole fact that the Thor's were the police service of, of that. Yeah, you have Storm Thor, Frog yeah. Thor, yeah. every <laughs> version of Thor yeah, you so can imagine. I was the only one who popped in Ragnarok when they said, You only turned me into a Thor. Yes. And that that was sick with the um the way that they all had that ceremony when Thor's from different realities will come and pick up the hammer and yeah. you had the worthies and unworthies yeah. and yeah they never really just explained what happened to unworthies did they no they kind of no. just kind of drifted I have, off. A, I have a bit of an issue with the hammer existing because in the Ultimate Universe the hammer is something they made and it's not actually the proper hammer right. the proper hammer looks like the traditional hammer right. So you don't have to be worthy to hold the hammer axe. Right. 
So the fact that in the six months, or oh, whatever, you can't want to call yeah. it cram now. Yeah. You is have it, to be worthy to hold that hammer axe is a bit of a... Eh, yeah. yeah. I'm not quite on board with that. Because it keeps, yeah. And I suppose um, it keeps it kind of, it keeps it local, local, doesn't it? So I'm going to talk a bit more about some of the uh, Thor stuff. I like his highlights. He's a political driven character. And when I got back into comics, it was the political, the realistic comics, which I got on board with. And I think we saw that during the like early 2000s. It was real heroes. They wanted, they wanted the real world. They wanted politics. They wanted, uh, they wanted to say something about the world we lived in. And I think that's what we see in all comics now. Uh, and we see in the movies, very political, very realistic. Um, I like the idea that at times they played him as a bit of a bad guy. The arrested Thor, the ultimate arrested Thor. It's always good. He's always one of them characters where within the Avengers world. He's always on side with them, isn't he? They, mm. they don't really often fall out with him. He's, but this time they, they go up against him and he gets his ass kicked and it's quite cool to read. His, his character lost its way a bit during a few of the um, arcs. There was Ultimates 3, I'm not going to talk about Ultimatum, Ultimate Power. <laughs> it sounds like I'm saying we shouldn't talk about more than what we should talk yeah. about. But it lost his way. I think different writers had different handles on the character. Mm. And I think people were just told he was a Thor, so wrote him as a Thor, but he's not a Thor, he's a mm. different character. And again, um, if you read the latest stuff with Hickman, you really see them both sort of combined both versions of this. Mm. Uh, and I think that was a cool thing, the fact that you can retcon a character within the story, make it matter, and then you don't feel like you've been cheated. Sometimes you get the retcons in comics where it's like they're just reverting it to a previous version and there's no real reason. But if mm. you do it within the story... I don't know, you can get on board with it. So, like, you can mask and remask Spider-Man as much as you want, but you've always got to sort of, like, make it a trick because how do you remask it? But this, the med, the brought it all together, it was within the story. It made sense, so that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go back and talk about this Hickman run I liked at the end. Basically, we got to see an evil version of Real Richards, the maker, and he destroys Asgard. Boo. Boo. Yeah, I hate that guy. That's really cool. He survives as well. Yeah. yeah. What a douchebag. Of all the people. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. But isn't every version of Reed evil? Oh, no. I can't oh. stand Reed Richards. The Council of Reeds. Yeah. I just... Oh, man. I'd love the Council of Ricks from Rick and Morty. Just yeah. The Council of Reeds and just take him down, man. So, so basically, he destroys Asgard. And he burns the world tree down. But Asgard has appeared over... Um, Northern Germany. Right. Um, so Thor's depowered and Tony Stark, best friend, builds him a new suit, power suit. And that sort of, it brought it back to that car of that character I said before where it was a not a godlike character, it was a political character. It was a character wearing armour, a bit more of a real person. Um, and also, that arc was drew by someone we've already mentioned in the podcast, Esad Ribic, who probably draws the best version of any Thor mm. At all times, he's proper superstar artist, I think, at the minute. And uh, one of my uh, prized possessions is an Ultimate Thor sketch by S. Ed Rubik. Is that the bust one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a Thought Bubble and yeah. it was, uh, it's cool. It's very cool. It will be mine. <laughs> it will not. I and know it's not would. going in the box. <laughs> um, <laughs> and ultimately, uh, Thor had, ultimately, pun there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've rambled on a bit, but he has one of the best send-offs, I think, for the Ultimate Universe, a universe which, like, withered at the end. It's lost its way, it died, but he 
he sacrificed himself fighting a uh, 616 Galactus, which why he was even there as a total different project <laughs> on its own. And he sacrificed himself saving the universe and possibly still out there. Like his hammer's still out there. I don't know about Thor. Could he still be out mm. there? And uh, that was my rambly mess of no, Ultimate good. Thor. Okay, yeah. But he yeah. did appear in the Secret Wars he thing. He did. Wars, yeah. Which was unexplained. But the, char- <laughs> so, yeah. the characters within Secret Wars, you could argue none of them, there's only like 10 of them, they're the real version. It mm. don't quite, yeah, the, I think the whole thing about like the Ultimate Universe, it did just kind of, like you said, dwindle away. And then yeah. they kind of tried to do, they had Bendis do like one final sentence. He, like, they always thought he created it, so let him do the Ultimate. Did you, if you read the Ultimate, ultimate end, end, yeah. Um, um, obviously, Miles is the only one who's really properly survived. Mm. Off. Although I think they have done a special... 150th edition of the Ultimates, which I think yeah. is called Ultimate Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America. I saw the cover for that. That was pretty yeah. similar. Like you're not entirely sure whether they're the real versions of them or whether they're like a version of them. Mm. I mean, some of the Ultimate X Men are in X Men Blue. Uh, you got Jimmy Hudson. Mm. You also had Ultimate Quicksilver, Ultimate Armor, Ultimate Guardian. They was all in X Men Blue. Were they? Well, they are yeah. Really the but it's not been touched at how or why or. Jack, mm. that was really good. It was rambly. It, no, no, it was good. And it, I was getting quite nostalgic because I haven't touched any of that stuff for a long time. And I was thinking, yeah, when you first see him, he's on that protest, isn't he? And he yeah. sat there yeah, with yeah. his boots on, his big jacket with a tankard full of mead. And yeah. it, it's like, I forgot that. It, they really humanised him. I really enjoyed Ultimates 1 and 2. I thought a real good, yeah. good stuff for like bringing it into the 21st century well, kind of thing. If you look at the movies nowadays, it's it's ultimate. It's ultimate. It's, 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 if you look at the comics nowadays, it's they've taken so much from the ultimate. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's irrelevant now because comics are what they were yeah. ten years ago. Even Nick Fury, they've kind of got rid of the old Nick Fury and replaced him with his son, which looked exactly which is like, black Nick Fury. Oh, God, yeah. that whole fucking way of explaining it. He was an adopted son, but I'm now taking my adopted dad's. But like, the thing is, like that was a year before Secret Wars. Hold off a year. Just do it that way and bring. Nick, um, Samuel yeah. Jackson, Nick Fury from Ultimate Universe mm. across. Yeah. Don't try know. and hash. It was so ham-fisted in, wasn't it? And it was yeah. just like, what is happening? What's yeah. going on? Jack, I really like that. I was rambly. No, it was good. This is the first one, so... I will we, write we better notes in future. We don't, <laughs> we, we don't even have to put it out. We yeah. can, like... Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. what we'll do, well, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but we can yeah. listen back to it and see how it goes. But I liked it because there was some... I, did, I, I couldn't remember how Thor's story ended and there was a patch of that where I couldn't remember I don't even know because I stopped reading Ultimates for a while yeah. I forgot it was the Catalyst story it was the Cataclysm, Cataclysm. Yeah, Cataclysm, Cataclysm yeah. um, which again like most Ultimate stuff was not great good idea good oh. idea that's generally broad strokes like I'll even say Ultimatum if you read the plot description great yeah yeah. But if you read the comic Oh, not no, so great. No. I, mean, there's that whole, I mean, it was kind of a. I mean, the Age of Ultron story arc was okay. It wasn't as good as what I thought that was gonna be like. But there was that like end scene sort of thing when like they destroyed the reality sort of things, and you see Miles swinging along, and they say, "Oh, who's that guy over there?" And it's like Galactus just yeah. stood, mm. stood right there, thinking, "Oh, well, this yeah. is gonna be a bit interesting." But mm. I didn't really do much. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a an untouched storyline of Bendis's. I think he's sort of between a lot of his books, he's done this alternate universe sort of thing, like this cracking worlds. And I don't know if this was before Secret Wars became a thing, whether he was trying to make a story around that. But there's a lot of his books included the universe breaking. Mm. And then... House of M was like the first one to really think touch oh it. God. Yeah. House of M is the definitive... Oh, that's a brilliant one. Is the definitive um, event. We'll wait and see when we do X-Men it events. Is, it is. I've <laughs> said that out. It is so... Well, it was an Avengers thing as well, wasn't it? Because yeah. it was like... Spider-Man, I think, was the one who got the 
But man of the deal of it all. That was bad. That that the issue seven when they come was it issue seven when they come back and he's like depressed, smashing on the table. And so he's like, away. "Hey, my table!" And then Luke Cage is like, "You can buy a new one, man," because <laughs> yeah. he smashes, cracks it. It's like it's... give everyone what they want, and he's actually got Gwen Stacy, oh, no. not MJ. Because this is yeah, they still been married at that point. And Uncle Ben's still alive, and yeah. it's just like he freaks out when he sees him. Yeah, and he's like, Kyle, our good friend Kyle, when um. When the Avengers, well, the Avengers and the Rebels see Spider-Man freak out, see Uncle Ben, and Luke Cage is like, that was damn awful. Yeah. <laughs> One of my mates loves that line. Absolutely loves it. Um, yeah, Jack, that was good. That was really good. Um, Tom, bringing it back around. Yeah, because I'm kind of looking at... Now, you can't see Tom is actually sat there just coolly, no notes. Me and Jack have both got not notes. prepared properly, really. And this is good. No, this is good because it's raw, isn't it? We're going to see how it works and, like... I don't know, I'm, I'm curious because I'm, I'm learning here. It's kind of going for... I'm guessing, have you read the Lady Thor, Jane Foster, actually, I know you've also you said about reading read, the... I read it up to, I've read parts of volume one and yeah. the few bits of volume two, but I need to catch yeah. up with both of them. Yeah, it's kind of this whole thing where they're like, because of Secret Wars happened, they had to cut short a lot of yes, they did. volumes, which kind of feel like with this anyway. But it's not more about the actual arc of Jane Foster, it's about what Jane Foster Thor is kind of like maybe one of the first of a new way of reintroducing characters or, okay. you know, putting a bit more diversity, really. Mm. I think, obviously, one of the first ones what was really kind of been done was Miles, of like for introducing that as like a new Spider-Man mm. sort of thing. I mean, obviously, they kind of touched on people taking up the mantle before in the past with like um, different characters taking on suits. I mean, the other big one kind of comes to mind is when um, Rhodey became Iron Man for a little while. Mm. I mean, people don't realise that he was the Iron Man during the first Secret Wars. Right, yes. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Um, okay. So that's kind of like going Fact of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Fact of the day, because it, it's like an element, because not everyone knows that that isn't Tony Stark sort of thing, so he leaves his suit on the entire time and things like that. I can't remember one other person I think knows, mm. and that's about it. But I think like they've kind of like, Jane Foster's kind of kickstarted his whole new new heroes kind of thing, new line of heroes, like people changing round from one cat to the next. I mean, to kind of give a bit more perspective over how Jane Foster became Thor, there's a story out called Original Sin, where you've got Thor there. And I don't th- it's still not been revealed it yet, what Nick Fury whispered to Thor. Has it not? I've not read it anywhere. I haven't I- seen it. And I've not read any unworthy Thor. Oh. Oh, no, I think they do say... Oh, no, hold on. I seem to... I have... think it is in, it's in Unworthy. Is it Unworthy? I've, 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 I've got it. I'm going to get Unworthy. I've not read any of you, but I need to buy it all. It's, I'm, I'm buy... pretty sure it's in that. Is it in that? So because there's a resolution with it. Yeah, it's in yeah. there. So I can't remember because here, right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so Nick, obviously, again, he's going back to Jason Aaron's whole detective series kind that of thing. That was good, that. Yeah. Who killed the watcher? Who killed the watcher? Yeah. 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 It, it, I'm trying to think now because we're saying about Jason Aaron and doing detective stories. He do a pretty good Batman. He could do a good Batman, but I don't think we'll ever see that. But he could do make a... more writers leave Marvel. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> he's one, he's yeah. one of the best ones we got. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, he says something to him straight away. Hammer falls out his hand. And there's like a last like cutaway scene in the where they have someone saying have we forgotten someone and you see Thor there trying to pick up the hammer on the moon and mm. can't move it or anything like that, and then you get a cloak figure who says there must always be a Thor and picks it up and holds it up and then gets the power and then gets the powers of Thor, and then it says there's a little change when it says himself then changes to herself oh no sorry she for whoever holds his power no, she'll be worthy she'll be worthy yeah. Thor, so then so then she gets the power so the first story arc is again of Thor, a now unworthy Thor, or Odinson, however you want to refer to him, investigating who it is. 
And it's quite a bit of a poignant moment, really, because he's more or less investigating anyone who's female in the Marvel universe. So he again goes to, like, um, she goes to um, Bobby Morris as well, sort of thing, and thinks it might be her. And the whole scene is, well, people think it must be Jane Foster then, because they think he used to go out with Donald Blake slash Thor. But then you see her, and she's riddled with cancer dying. So it's kind of like dismissed as being, no, it can't be her. Mm. But then at the end, it does turn out it is her. And then kind of the next storyline, the story arc, is talking about she's going through chemo, having a very aggressive form of cancer. She doesn't look well sort of thing for the whole thing. And it turns out every time she picks up the hammer, it wipes out that previous previous um, batch of chemo she's been taking. So it kind of like showing the sacrifice. She's given the ultimate sacrifice sort of thing in, in order to survive. Saying, that, well, the world needs a Thor. The Thor is a, is a superhero what must always be there. Mm. Um Especially because everything what Asgard because it was Thor who re brought back Asgard after Asgard was destroyed and mm. resurrected it over Oklahoma sort of thing, yeah. and, which was um, which was a pretty good story out sort of thing. So obviously that kind of then leads on to Siege and everything else. That was brilliant, by the way. Yeah, I think I, I, I think Bendis's run um, doing Avengers just led to some really good the, um, crossovers. That it was the um, Age of Heroes, wasn't it? Yeah, that came yeah. out of um, that, that. That came out of Siege, isn't it? That came out of Siege because that because. T- um, Steve Rogers came back because everyone thought he was dead. Yeah. Again, that was a bit of a. Ugh. Ares got torn in half by the century. century did indeed. Yeah, which is one of the greatest double page spreads I've ever seen. Yeah. Oliver Coifel, that guy. Yeah, I mean that whole story arc was it was good. I mean the whole Dark Avengers thing was okay. really was after Secret Invasion. You've got that one mm. shot with like Norman Osborn's now in charge. He's mm. got like collective with all the villains there. Do you think they're going uh, to Brixton in uh, the films? I thought they they might. Maybe if if because obviously was what happened to Adgard Gasgard, I think they might do. I would like to see that. I thought that made more sense. That's what I thought. But then obviously you got the Norway sort of thing, and obviously that's the whole like you know Viking mythologies and mm. sort of thing. But yeah, I think it would make sense to them to go there to keep it in with the if they survive. If they survive, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. yeah the well, Thanos is there. What they... Thanos, well, yeah. Obviously Loki's going to give up something for him. Give up the. That's another discussion there. For... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then, obviously, now we've kind of like you've kind of got and Jane Foster is now now Thor, and it's Marvel, I suppose, in a way, sort of thing is kind of trying to introduce more diversity in, I think, to the to the superheroes. Because obviously, over throughout the years, they have introduced other character sort of things, mm-hmm. main characters for different colors, like religions, things mm-hmm. like that, um, and gender. But I think it's fair to say it has always been primarily white male dominated mm-hmm. environment in the Marvel universe. Even when they like sort of like introduced the mutants, that was like Stanley's way of trying to, you know, talk talk around like the civil rights movement. But yeah, it, they're still they were still all white, really. Well, you had they? to put it in a way that white readers would understand. This could be you. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, but it, it it comes from the writers as well. I mean, you have white males writing brown females, black males. Do you know what I mean? You know, there are writers out there, but that's like you said, that's a another yeah another debate another debate. I mean. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I mean, I can't really like comment sort of thing like you know how diversity has been put into the media sort of thing in the years from speaking from a white, well-off male's perspective sort of things. It's kind of like reading how other people kind of interpret things. It's mm. so obviously one of these first steps has been by introducing Lady Thor sort of thing to the whole esteem to try and get because I know that more and more girls are reading comic books these days. It's having characters who people can relate to as mm. well and things like that and showing sacrifices what they make. So she's thinking there has to be a Thor. So she's giving up her own health and could eventually die from the whole thing. By introducing this like beacon in the, of light sort of thing in the Marvel universe, can I haven't read as much of it as you, but 
How long can she? Does it? How long can Jane Foster stay as Thor? Does she, it? Is it limited because of the, her illness? It don't really say sort of thing. It's just kind of like she kind of picks up the hammer and becomes it. And it doesn't really like say like a time scale of like she then starts to become weaker or anything like that. It just kind of I think it's just when she comes back to being Jane Foster, she's then energy's then depleted sort of thing that kind of thing. I mean, and she's now living out on Asgard as but she was like living on Asgard as being Earth's ambassador sort yeah. of thing, and they were treating her cancer there sort of thing. But then she was going back to earth to receive the chemo and things like that but it's a it's quite especially the way she's been drawn as well it's like it's, it's not beautiful oh what's his name russell dortman dortman yeah and there's yeah. been someone else that's been on it there's been two people been a couple yeah um okay um was was jane foster always your pick did you always i did think that because it just made logical sense but i wasn't aware of like i don't know if it was i don't know if the cancer was introduced before this storyline was it was was published or whether that's something they kind of put in there as like a curveball I don't know I'm guessing it might have been something there beforehand because I didn't really read much of the stuff beforehand it's just kind of like a bit interesting really just to see because I just read um, Original Sin and obviously like Thor dropped the hammer it would be interesting to see how that kind of continued on I think kind of well, I think when a writer does a sto- does a um, like a crossover story arc it makes more sense to read what stuff he's going to do afterwards because he's got more stuff in mind. Hmm. Same yeah. thing with like Hickman sort of thing because he did the whole Avengers run leading up to Secret War. I mean, that was kind of a well thought out, you know, three year plan kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I was. think Jason Aaron has the same kind of thing. He's kind of like planned this whole thing with Original Sin, which is then kind of leading on to because he was writing Thor's afterwards sort of thing. I mean, he's now writing two different Thor stories because you've got Unworthy Thor and, yeah. and Mighty Thor. And like I said before, there's now a th- War Thor's now being introduced to the, into the mix. Although, although I'm all about diversity in characters, I'm going to play devil's advocate and go, is there a... Do you think a character has to be recognisable to the, like, the uneducated audience? Like If they go in and pick up a Thor book, do you think they need to see a Thor there? They recognise. Yeah. yeah, I think they have to like do it in a, an established name because I think there's that many different superheroes about and that many comic books about. If they just introduce a new superhero, a new character sort of thing... It could be white noise and not and really ha- get picked up in the background. That's happened with like like some mosaic and stuff, hasn't there? Yeah, and there yeah, was the yeah. Native American um, hero that they introduced. I can't remember his name. Um, Red Wolf. Red Wolf. Yeah. And sometimes they've been a bit like, okay, here's a diverse character for you, rather than here's a cool character. It's been like the diversity things come first, and sometimes it feels a bit shoved down your throat. Yeah. Or like, well, not shoved down your throat. It feels a bit gimmicky, and I'm worried that the good intentions to have a diverse character has come as a as a as a gimmick and that kind of it de- it depletes and kind of it kind of it it ruins the character before even before the yeah. character even comes out i mean you've also got other people as well like say miss marvel something that marvel has always been like a different character captain marvel has been someone different throughout the years anyway so they've kind of like upgraded miss marvel to captain marvel yeah then introduced obviously the new miss marvel as well something to the again cater for the like she's a young muslim um, from is it Turkish descent or something? I yeah, think. yeah. So then, kind of like gives more people. It, it kind of broadens the horizon a bit more, sort of thing. But then it has its character. What has worked because that new Miss Marvel sort of thing is very, very popular. And again, also the I think as well by introducing new char- new or having people play existing characters or sort of things, or you know, adapt a new mantle. It, and also, I think in Marvel's mind as well is then also going back to the movie universe as well because actors can only play a role for so long. They need to introduce someone else to then replace them with, mm. i.e., like when Robert Downey Jr. gives up being Iron Man, will they then introduce Ironheart into the mix sort of mm. thing as like a new, new character, but with a kind of, kind of, 
suit of armor, then recognize it sort of thing. Mm. Does does the armor like by having someone else insert different inside of it would then would it have the same effect or something well, like that? Because I've always thought like it's interesting you mentioned it because let's say you bring an Ironheart as a new Iron Man, people are familiar with what an Iron Man villain could be, but here personal problems will be different to the likes of Playboy Millionaire Tony Stark, mm. which would add a whole new different type of dynamic to the film. What type of stories you could take? You've got this you've got this black girl growing up. I think did her die oh her friend died, didn't they in the comment we've got this black girl growing up in Brooklyn who's got this who's very intelligent for her age, going to college, going to university, what sort of issues is she going to have as a superhero with this amazing piece of armour? You just think, it just blows my mind because the possibilities are going to be so much different to a playboy millionaire philanthropist. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, his whole like, kind of personal internal struggle is going to be very different to like to Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart. Yeah, and I think that's just, I think as well they've got us, in some cases, got to things, make things more relatable for people to go out and see them. I mean, obviously, We'll get to a point where people get bored seeing an Iron Man movie or something, or you know, seeing a play-by-play superhero movie because you get an origin story, learn how to learn the powers, how to use them, fight the bad guy, overcome the bad guy, save the day. That's mm. it, and that's going to be the same for all your origin stories. And then now it's going to be a case of right, we've got this whole new plethora of character sort of things. Can we do a different play, or do we need an origin story in some cases? Sort of thing. Can it have someone? Appear in a new mo- appear in a movie, an existing movie sort of thing, like say Black Panther for argument's sake sort of thing. He's like you know appeared in Civil War. He's now going to have his own movie, but then straight away then he's going to be Avengers sort of things. Will he have? To, is he going to have like a proper origin story? Is it just going to be like a f- series of flashbacks mm. or something? I hope I hope they don't do the whole kind of Doctor Strange thing because Doctor Strange was like a Phase One movie in Phase Two, wasn't it? Yeah, it felt like a step backwards. Yeah, it felt like we'd seen it before. Yeah, it was Iron Man with magic. Yeah, mm. like, it was a, visually it was beautiful, but. You know, it was a like it was like a you know, paint by numbers sort of movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except originally, I thought what Doctor Strange was. I thought they were going to do an origin story because he already hinted at him in um, Winter Soldier. Mm. So they said that people of interest. I thought, oh well, there we go. Stephen Strange is obviously there in the background sort of thing. But then they still did the whole origin story, and it just you get a bit bored of origin stories over time and things like that. I find mm. it's just I don't I, I don't know. I'm, don't, I'm just saying that from the perspective of someone who reads comic books and so knows more or less every single superhero's origin story. So <laughs> whereas like. Go to see someone else, I think you wouldn't understand them once to go see a decent movie. Mm. Yeah, they might have a different. They might have a different opinion of the whole thing, really. And again, that's when you've also got their nice new prefer of characters. They they might not know who's who, who sort of thing. I mean, like say for I would say they won't be able to do Jane Foster in a, as a Thor because Natalie Portman's already had an established mm. role in sort of thing. So would they introduce a Lady Thor in it, but have it played Some, by somebody else? Yeah, maybe Lady Sith because she wasn't. Tessa Thompson, up. Valkyrie. Yeah, that yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Becomes a new Thor. I'd love that. Yeah, she, I think she's great. Yeah, I mean, there was a whole like big kickoff as well, sort of thing when um when they introduced um Idris Elba to be in Thor. Yeah, they were like, no Norse gods are black. Didn't mean, and yeah. it was just like Idris was just like, don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it. It's like yeah, but it, 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 it's whole factors those. It's, it's Norse gods, sort of thing, but it's more they're an alien in this universe. They're an alien race, sort of mm. thing, and that's it. And it's just. I don't know. It's just I think Marvel now seems to be like you know introducing obviously these like different character sort of things, playing taking on established roles, and I'm thinking why. So I think the more successful having the, going that way, and then like you say having mosaics or thing, or introducing new characters just doesn't seem to be. I don't know. There's that many that many storylines sort of things going in at the moment, and that many different comic books, and obviously you've not got Marvel, you've got DC and things like that sort of thing. It's hard to introduce a new character. I think in this day and age, I think in mm. comic book wise. So if we take Jane Foster as her own character, as her own thought, what makes her stand out? Like what what is it what draws you to that character? 
it was just someone interested. I mean, originally, I just kind of got yourself the more interested of the Fallout for Original Sin kind of thing. But then it was that whole, like, you know, the first arc is who is she sort of thing. So it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to try and, you know, follow on. Again, it was like Thor doing his investigation sort of thing. And then, then you also find out that he loses his arm as well during the... The first book, that. isn't it? Yeah. By La- is it Laffy? Yeah. Cuts it off. Cuts it off there. So that kind of explains, because obviously the first, the front cover of the God Butcher is just him with the destroyer arm, mm. isn't it? I think, holding the other, holding the axe. So it kind of, kind of covers all that up sort of thing. It's um, it's a very sad state of affairs, because once you see Thor, this confident, jolly, heroic person, he's literally on the moon, kneeling in front of the, literally the first couple of pages, yeah. kneeling for the hammer, crying, saying, listen to me, why can't you hear me? Why can't I hear you? Why can't listen to me? And it's like, what is this book? Because in contrast, it's so bright. Could you see all the other Norse gods around him? Freya and Odin are like, what has happened to my son? Why is he like this? Everybody's just watching that. He's been like this for, for weeks now. He won't move. He, he, usually, he usually leaves to go and do some heroics on his, um, what's the... The hot the goat cold. Oh the, uh, uh, yeah, oh. The goat cold. Oh god. Oh. Snaggled tooth or something. Like yeah, that. So, yeah. yeah. So he's on. He's got the Jinan born, and he's got. He's on the goat, and he leaves to go and do some work to come back. It's like it was a the feel to the book, which it was very intimate, and you don't usually get that with a lot of Thor story. Well, I haven't read, felt felt that close to Thor book since. God I, I don't know if you read any of like. Um, I think it, was, it wasn't New Avengers. One of the one of the story apps leading on to um, Secret War was. Um, that time's running out. Yeah, the times running out one, but I can't remember which one he was in, and it's him and who's he with? Um, Hypron. They're going to go fight the um, Beyonders. Yeah. But during that period, this is kind of going to separate story. Like, is that a group of evil Avengers arrive, sort of thing? And one of them's got a hammer, which says anyone deems himself unworthy can hold the power. So he's able to pick up that hammer because he's not worthy anymore. <laughs> oh, cool. And he's just about to fight the Beyonders. Then that hammer then falls out his hand because he's no longer unworthy. Oh, no. So he's kind of like, oh, come on. Oh, yeah. But he's, if he's still got the axe, he's still yeah, got the axe yeah. with him. The whole fight so that split second, he's become worthy again because he's out there with Hyperon's going to give up because they know they're going to die. So they're going there because they're both gods kind of Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, if anyone's who, not, who's not familiar with Hyperon, that's just Marvel's rip-off of Superman. Right, okay. Is it ginger hair? Short, yeah, short yeah, kind yeah. of long ginger hair. Sort of thing. Yeah, introducing like Gardner. Yeah, introducing Supremes and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, the men are crowds because they've also got like Nightwing as well. Well, it's sort of like a Batman ripoff okay. and things like that. It, <laughs> oh, it's wow. quite an interesting thing, but yes, yeah, so it's kind of then he kind of got Thor's now got his is now worthy again for a split second. So you kind of feel for him, like oh, he's worthy again, but he's just about to go. And so, do you die. think that Jane Thor? Do you think like this introduction of Thor was like the perfect? Other than like, was a better way of introduction an alternative character to an established one than mine. I think so. I think they have to kind of go by. So we're not. I mean, it's something that you can say that Marvel's been doing for a while. This sort of thing is like exist ex- established characters sort of thing that someone else playing them. Um, like I said before about how with Rhodey was Iron Man for a little bit. Then mm. you also had Billy Ray Bates sort of thing also played yeah. was also a Thor for a little bit as well. Um, yes, and I think in terms of like you know, obviously kind of. Thor, you could have someone playing, being a, you could have a Lady Thor because it is just picking up a hammer. You get the powers once you've picked up the hammer, really. Mm. That's it in the, in the whole comic book. Thing. I think it's another good reason why they kind of got rid of the whole Donald Blake thing. I mean, she's kind of a bit like Donald Blake, something the way that she changes herself mm. once she's picked up the hammer, sort of thing. But it's this whole kind of thing of like, now Thor's oh, is now a person, he's old and son, he's not having to then resort back to going back to being like a human kind of thing. I think it's kind of stepping around. I think Donald Blake kind of had his run, sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, they kind of like, going back to Siege sort of thing and, you know, pre-Asgard returning sort of thing. That was kind of like the whole thing. I can't remember what... It was some other random, like, comic book series. I can't remember which one it was, but ends with, like, someone walking around with a bag with D. Blake written on the back of it. Yeah. Which just kind of, like, dropped out of nowhere sort of thing. So you kind of, oh, well, Donald Blake's back there. Thor, okay. Thor must follow one afterwards because Thor had been gone for a while with the exception of um, 
I think it was actually called Ragnarok was the 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 robot Thor who was in Civil oh, War. Was that yeah, what, yeah. Oh, is that what they called him? I think right. he was called yeah. Ragnarok. Do you think Jane Foster Thor is going to stick around? I know they're about to start the death of. It's starting the de- yeah. I know he's about to start the death of. I don't know. I mean the death. I mean it, no one's ever really dead, are they? In comics, sort of and things. Do you think? Because there seems to be this attitude within comic book fandom that they want their version of Thor back. Do you think these new, diverse, equally as good versions can stick around, or they will they always go back? I think they can stick around because they are still doing. They have still got Thor there. He's just got. He's still got his own story. It's just called Unworthy Thor. So he is still there. So I think that was only really a four-part one. It was a short four-part story. I thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was coming back as no, a... No, it was a, it was a mini-series. mini-series. Yeah, yeah, it was a four-parter. It was, it was like, I thought it was a bit... It was good when it started, but then it ended up being a bit underwhelming the way it ended up. Yeah, yeah. I agree. For the um, collector, wasn't it? And stuff yeah. as a villain and stuff. Yeah. But it was... Um, you do get your answers as to why it's unworthy in that. I, find it? I, should, I, I thought it was an ongoing set. I thought it was an ongoing set. It's only four part. I'll have to pick that up. I'll have to pick that one up then. Because I'm still intrigued to know what he said, what has been said. Yeah, it's definitely d- in there. D- Delivery ignored anything, just a nurse was, things mm. like that. But I think, yeah. I, f- I mean, at the end of the day, though, it also goes down to what sells as well. And if if that series didn't sell to start off with, they would have scrapped it and brought back Thor as normal, then mm. is what I would have thought of. But it's a great book. It is great. Like, the it, thing, the, everything they've done with Loki is brilliant. I think what they've done with some old Thor villains and new ones, like all the rocks and stuff, all the things with Luffy, um, the did the, the, the Asgard Shah War, the politics with, is it Scott, oh, what's his name? Thor's brother, um, God of Fear, who's also part of the council. Oh, the, what, Ud- you got Odin's brother. Odin's brother. Odin's brothers one. from Fear himself. Yeah. Is it Scourge or because it's not Scourge? Yeah. It's yeah. Some, I can't remember his name. The, now. Se- the serpent kind yeah. of. Yeah. All the rocks on stuff's good as well. They've got like rocks on who were mining off well. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. And the CEO's a, we- is the CEO a werewolf now as well. Oh. He's a ma- minotaur. Isn't minotaur. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's like this is what you want. This is that magic fantasy. It works in the really, real world. Yeah. In the real world, it's yeah. Brilliant. And then they've kind of got like the whole like dark elves sort of things, like the elves are a massive war there. Yeah, there's all these kind of factions that are falling apart because Odin is Odin's not governing right. He's more fucked no. about what's going on in Asgard, and his brother's like his top advisor. And Odin's a real piece of shit in this. Like, oh, yeah, Odin, 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 you ever like Odin? No, but that's the thing. You think Odin can't get any lower, and then you just think he teams up with his brother who tried to kill him and half his people a few events ago, and you think he's. You're allowing him, he, him to help you govern over there. And it's just like, Odin, you know, he's awful. He's but I like bounty, He's got him. a bounty on, like, thick, oh, he's like thick for or something like what he puts on the, the post. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's an intro. I like what they've done with Asgard as a civilization yeah. recently. But he's, but then you've got all these fanboys. Oh, Thor can't be a woman. Thor's not my other. And I just think, what? I, I don't know. Fanboys can be the worst. They really can because anything different, like I was talking about when we were saying before about the latest Star Wars film sort mm. of thing, it's like changes they don't like and it's like, but then they complain about things are the same old, same old. It's like, well, you can't have one or the other sort of thing. You've got to have a, a to make something more fresher and fair play to say Marvel sometimes sort of things, introduce new characters sort of things. Mm. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, it, they just go by what sells at the end yeah. of the day, really. And if, and if it sells millions of copies every week then they're going to carry on making it and it's again they've got a more and more girls these days are reading comic books and mm. things like that and more so they're going to got to appeal to the the female audience as well so they to keep them to keep them reading it really but I, I remember when they announced it and i remember reading that first issue and i never thought that oh it's a female thor i was like oh cool it's a new thor book now i don't know whether that's just my wiring but it was never something that has stopped me wanting to read it because thor's a woman now because i just love what Thor stands for. Like I was yeah, saying yeah. before, Thor is like, I always get it, it's, he is a Superman. 
he makes you see the best in yourself, makes you be the best you can be and enjoy and enjoy the ride whilst doing it. Like when Jack, when you mentioned he loves his beer, they make a big point of that in um in the ultimate stuff. And I remember this look I would love this time is the type of guy I could go for a drink with. Yeah. He's a fictional character. Did I mean what does that say about me and my friendship group? That well, <laughs> generally Thor's character, he's he's a wayward child and angsty teenager. Mm. But then by the time he's the adult, by the time he's Thor, he's like the moral compass, isn't he? Yeah. He's mm. every version of Thor is a good guy he does the right thing and that he is like superman he is he's probably up there in sort of purity and thought and like besides the little yeah. tendencies he, to overreact I, but the one thing that i think separates me a little bit more from superman not from the clark claim but from superman is that thor has flaws yeah. and he yeah. wears them he carries them which allow him to you know make it which it, it governs his decisions you know going forward you can see he always has oh when i was younger I did this i made a mistake here which is good because it's always, I think that that's his, that's his Uncle Ben clause, isn't it? Yeah. That's his power and responsibility sort of thing. Yeah. I think there's also a good one. Um, there was a, a Thor annual came out a couple of years ago and I, I'm a wrestling fan sort of thing and a wrestler because CM Punk wrote a storyline to it sort of thing, which oh, is right. what it's like. Yeah. It's like him just doing a story of like just him getting absolutely rat sort of thing and doing all these things absolutely <laughs> drunk sort of thing, which is quite good. <laughs> that's like, cool. That's quite story, like, you know, going on trying to start fights sort of thing, but he's, he's like pre-hammer sort of thing. It's yeah, kind of, yeah. It, again, it's kind of go back to those like, especially because I do sometimes shift back to young Thor a lot yeah. sort of thing to show ultimate char- char- character progression. But it's always like skins when you go to the future sort of thing. It's always a dark. Whenever the Marvel goes into the future, future it is, it is always dark and dang. So when you were saying about having the old Thor sort of thing, I was always thinking you're kind of looking at Hulk with Mephesto. So, um, not Mephesto. Um, is it Maestro? Maestro. Maestro. However you say it again. Mephesto. Mephesto. No. Um, yeah. Old the... Hulk. Old crazy Hulk. Oh, the Maestro. Maestro, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Think about course, you never pronounce him. Yeah. yeah. Read I, yeah read him. <laughs> I was trying to think, yeah. You're about, yeah. Could write it for you. Oh. Spell it for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is that what? Because I felt we were kind of in conclusion our thoughts about Thor there. Yeah, we kind of into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, just, just a final one before we kind of go into the vote. Where do you think we'll go? We're, we're, we're going with Thor, comic book wise, movie wise. What, what do you think is the next step? What, what, what would you like to see? I think what's going to happen is I think the movie's going to dictate the comics. I think in a way, right. I think because the movies are that's what earns them the money these days, and especially with like. Disney behind them sort of thing they want to try and you can see the comics adapt more to the movies these yeah, days yeah. with things like we've seen before about Nick Fury and things like because obviously they introduced mm-hmm. Sam Jackson as Nick Fury there sort of thing and now they're having that Nick Fury well, now is in, in the books I was think. that not based on the because oh, the Ultimates came Ultimates, out first because yeah. they Ultimates, even said yeah. it guess, oh, yeah. there's going to be a movie about the Ultimates this was a really meta moment where yeah, they all yeah. sat around chatting like and like Nick who do you think would play you in the films and he sits back and like oh Samuel Jackson yeah. plus, and he's like yeah, I thought was that was quite Yeah, and I thought obviously then that when they did the film, that was the kind of key thing. But I think now because he kind of made the old Nick Fury, well, I don't know, you don't really know what he's up to now. He's kind of like the new Watcher, but he's never really been touched upon. Yeah, has he, yeah. the same thing happened to Captain America that happened to Nick Fury, where the serum that was keeping him young stopped working. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit And then Dum Dum Duggan turned out to actually be an LMD while keeps getting ripple all the time. No! Really? That was in one of the one shots of the original Sin series. No! Yeah, Dum Dum Duggan's actually never been like, you know, he's always been a... Never been a real pet. No. Oh, sad. He's great. Yeah. Okay. Jack, what do you think? What's going on with Thor? I think... I think the success of... Ragnarok will mean we might get another Thor movie. I was sure he was going to be a goner in Infinity War, mm. but I think that film made a lot of money and was very good, so we might see another Thor. Cool. Whether it's an unworthy Thor, and we might have 
new hammer. A new hammer or a Well, that's what they think of the trailer, isn't it? When they see him like that, they don't know if he's forging a new yeah. In the chicks, obviously, he doesn't have that. That's it. I've never, I've never heard that observation where he's like, Aah. so give me some glowing chest plates, yeah, and yeah. axe hammer, De- and a little bit of a deep hammer. Hammer. I reckon, oh. yeah. If he did have a new hammer, I reckon that's be axe hammer. I think because yeah. yeah. in the fat in the um, the artwork that was released earlier on this year for Infinity War, he has that hammer, doesn't he? And he, but he also has long hair in it as well. Because oh. he kind of hid the eye, didn't they, from the, yeah. the earlier trailers, didn't they? They had him with two eyes still, just to kind of hide. I think in comics, uh, because every, with Legacy, everything seems to be going back to you're going to have your original characters back where they were alongside whoever's here. I just wonder how they're going to do it with Jane Foster. If we've got this death of Jane Foster and she's going to be, Jane Foster's going to die and she's going to be Mighty Thor for good, that is cool because I'm slowly making my way through these um, Jane Foster Thors through the through the trades, and I, I just want to see more of it because it is it's you're getting an unworthy Thor working with the mighty Thor, and yeah. look, it's a really cool dynamic. And Thor's almost like guiding a uh, mentor. Have you read the issue then when they're when they're fighting each other because he accuses of being no. an imposter sort of thing? No, I haven't because yeah. I think that's is that that's, that's volume second, two. That's volume two. Yeah, yeah no, I'm I kind of lost track because it's been like Wars. three ver- three yes. volumes. So it's volume two now, isn't it? Or is it three? He had volume zero. Did they call, a lot of them? They called volume zero, didn't they? A lot of the series before Secret Wars happened. And then relaunched them as secret, and then series what like you know volume yeah. one. You've got volume afterwards. one, two thousand thirteen, and then you've got volume two is the most recent one, yeah. isn't it? So that's when you've got the Shia sort of thing. Yeah, the what the, um, the Asgard Shia war, yeah. and you know where it starts again with rocks and stuff. But um, yeah, it's good. Fingers yeah. crossed for more movie stuff. Yeah, um, Ultimate Hammer. Um, fingers crossed for more Thor team ups, and I don't know. I think what's always good. I mean, obviously, because things are thought. Uh, well, it's um, Lady Thor's also in um, Avengers now as well. Sort of thing is kind of like because the new Avengers is like again going back to diversity. Sort of things mm-hmm. a very diverse group, isn't it? Where you've got you've got Falcon, Falcon, then you've got Miles in there as well. Sort of right. thing and um, Visions, Visions back in there and cool. I don't know if it's it was original Tony Stark, but whether or not that's now changed since mm-hmm. he's now Kermit or whatever or AI Tony Stark, isn't it now? Mm. So we're going to have to do the vote. Um, so I think one way we could do this is let's say I'm one finger Jack your two fingers Tom your three and then maybe go one two three and then you hold up whatever yeah. fingers you think we should okay that sounds got it. good because then it's all like at the same visual time. medium on the radio yeah because <laughs> then everyone uh, everyone listening can be like <gasps> who they picked um, okay. it's quite hard it's quite hard to do it but then do you guys want to see who's voted for who? Or do you want to keep it secret? Uh, no. Nah. Yeah, see this yeah, seems see the simplest way, way to do see, it. Yeah. Simplest way. It might change, it might not. Yeah. Um, so, remember you can't vote for yourself. Yeah. Um, do we want to say why afterwards as well? Or why we voted? Yeah, we can do. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, just to reiterate... I was talking about um, the Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic run on Thor from 2013, which was the God Butcherer and God Bomb story arc because it was just a fantastic way of storytelling using three different Thors through three different various uh, points of time all coming together to, to take on this guy called Gore who wanted to build a bomb to destroy all bombs, to destroy all gods. I talked about Ultimate Thor, a Thor where you can read his entire life collection um a thor which had a cooler cooler costume and a cooler hammer and a cooler beard now tell us about lady thor or jen foster Thor, how you want us to respect to her and about how that has kickstarted a new revolution in marvel with taking established characters and putting a bit more diversity in it really cool 
So I will go on one, two, three, and then one, two, three. So after three, you hold your hands up. Okay. okay. You go like one, you go like five. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I'm going to drum roll. One. This is a really bad drum roll. Two. From someone who plays drums. Three. Oh, fuck. You vote for yourself. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> So I was going to, so I was going to. Uh, right, right, so I was going for Jack. So you didn't see that. I accidentally held up my own finger. But I was meant to do two. So I was going to drum roll. So, so do it again. Do you want to do it again? Or just going to leave it? Next week, we both vote. We both vote for you, sir. So what I put the thing in the box. So what are you yes. putting in the box? So I'm actually putting in both volumes of God Bomb and God Butcherer. Because I, I just think... There's no point to talk about it if people are going to read it. Yeah. For me personally, I was like, I, I, there's nothing else I could put in to justify what I've been talking about. I was going to put in some Thor pop vinyls and some little bits and bobs that I've got, but I was like, now nah, I'm just going to put both copies in because, yeah, whoever's got it, I want them to enjoy what I got out from it from that very, very hungover morning <laughs> where I should have gone to work. Uh, but I actually had to pull myself out of bed to go and buy the second volume because it was just, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. And I just think the I art hope, of storytelling sometimes gets lost. I hope your comic book shop was near your work and you had to make a crazy <laughs> sort of dash by. No, 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 no. It was uh, well aware, nicely hidden in uh, in Newcastle City Centre, where like, the Apple store was um, way in, in Gateshead in the Metro Centre. But no, it was, it was brilliant. It was absolutely amazing. And I hope you guys read it. I've not read it all the way through. I've only read a couple of issues, so I need to properly get through it. Like I say, I kind of just started off with Lady Lady Thor sort of thing, just because it's just to continue off from original sin sort of thing, so I do need to kind of go back a little bit. Mm. It's all part of one run. I've, I've like read that as a whole run yeah. from, from when Aaron took over. It was good. I'm a bit behind now, but it is all one run. It all, all works. Yeah. I mean... The way he tells the story changes. Obviously, by the time you get to Lady Thor, you don't have three different timelines. Mm. But it is one story. Do you think that's the definitive Thor run? If you were going to recommend any one series as a whole, rather than just sections, would you go for that Jason Aaron run? Ultimate Thor. Would you, uh, would you go, just, definitely just, go for Ultimate Thor? Just talk to me. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so you talk, yeah, you talk about the... I thought, yeah, I'm talking you talk about the character. Do you go for Ultimate Thor? You just go for, I don't know, I'd maybe start reading some of the stuff from pre-siege kind of thing you know when Thor comes back after being dead for so long sort of thing kind of exactly, gives a bit of yeah. Yeah. It's it's a bit you know, fraction yeah. yeah yeah kind of gives a bit of a starter off sort of thing there like that really touch on the fact he's dead sort of thing just kind of like here he is mm. reforms Asgard sort of thing and then I think a lot of stuff Marvel Universe now kind of kickstarted from that whole yeah well anything from Avengers Dissembled kind of thing but I think that was kind of one of the big yeah. points from it because he was dead for ages wasn't he oh, yeah. he was dead for a while yeah. for a long... yeah. that was when a character died and they were, they were gone for like at least five years at least years, years. <laughs> yeah. like five years and it was that was, that was huge but... these days character dies and comes back six months later yeah, so yeah. but no that was good that was interesting um, it's gone on longer than I expected but one hour 52 cut out all my <laughs> yeah, no, but I like I'll, um, I'll have a listen back and we can kind of I'll um give it a bit of a chop down and what I'll do I'll, um, I'll, um, I'll edit this out obviously but <laughs> but no no that was really good um, next what we got, next we've got Star Wars I think yes um, are we going to give any clues and hints as to what we're going to we're going to talk about or we're we just going to come in fresh I don't know I think I'll have to get to I'm going to better prepare and come up with some notes because I know there's that many different that many different things to talk about 
I'm going to prepare less. And uh... I think it's all about. I think after what I'm thinking about how how I've done it today, it's like I know more about I, do... I know more about Star Wars. Than I do Thor, so I could talk so much longer about like a particular era of Star Wars and ramble on for like an hour or so about it, which is far too long. So do you think it's the it's going to be about or like the the angle in which you come in and what you talk? Yeah, about? I I know my angle already. Right. Like, um... it's just about presenting it. But if, you, if you've been listening and you've got any ideas or tips as to how we can improve the podcast or ways you'd like to hear us kind of put forward our reports, let us know. Uh, or suggestions for yeah, future or, suggestions episodes. for future ones. Because I remember when uh, Jack and I were kind of talking about this, we have pages and pages of possible episodes coming, which are all very kind of different and unique in their own right. But we want to hear from you. You might be thinking outside the comic book rumble box of where we can uh, of which uh, where we can take this and what directions to go in so yeah get in touch with us we are at is it comic book rumble on twitter yes and the email address is comic box sorry comic at comic box rumble it sounded like comic book rumble in my headphones then and <laughs> um, at comic box rumble on twitter and also comic box rumble at gmail.com so yeah let us know your thoughts this was good i was good enjoyed that i thought like i've learned a bit now and i want to go and read some i want to go and read this book but I can't. I've got presents to wrap, buy and wrap uh, on Christmas Eve. Want to buy, yeah. As it is, so, I yeah. probably prepared too much and was too worried about what I was trying to say. Yeah, I was looking at my notes. I'm like, there was a huge check section. I just didn't even talk. And about And then you, like, you get sort of like anxious because you're like, I just missed that massive bit. How do I get back get to it? And yeah, so I'm probably gonna prepare less next time. Just maybe reread what I'm talking about, refresh my mind, because I was a lot better when I'm just talking instead of trying to. I like get yeah. certain stuff out. Mm. So yeah, my bit might be a bit messy, but, but we'll get better. Is the first one. Yeah. So, but yeah, thank you cool. very much for listening. That was fun. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye.